Hey, what's Welcome that Welcome to Inside Jury. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. There we go. Welcome to Inside Jerks. This is James. I'm here hey, with Taylor. I'm Taylor. We're what's back. Up? It's been a while. I think It's uh, been quite some time. It was about three weeks since we last recorded between me getting a computer and um, not sleeping uh, much at all. Somehow that means I have less time. I'm not sure uh, how that works, but that is how it works. Because your brain um, isn't processing things at the normal rate, and so you have to, even though you have all this time, it just takes extra time because your brain's not really working. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Right. Never mind. Yeah, and well, and I mean, we're not going to record a podcast at like, you know, three thirty in the morning. So I actually wanted to. I was thinking about that. Um, Ooh, that. I mean, we could because, at some point. But well, here's the thing. There was one point when you were talking about something that was upsetting, and it was like, I wanted to say. Hey, do you want a podcast about it and just get it all down as like a weird mini thing of just getting out of motion? I don't want to talk like about things that I'm upset about on the podcast. I know. Though. That's why I thought it would be perfect, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I'm don't not forcing know. it anyway. Let me. Uh, I forgot to take my nootropic supplement for my brain. I don't want to. I don't want to bring my life into the podcast. But isn't that why people listen? I don't know. I go back and I forth on is. this kind of stuff. Look, I'm going to get uh, enough of my life out there at, at least to, to feel as if you know what my life is like. But I'm not necessarily going to, let's say, lay my life on the line. Right. The microphone. Cable. I mean, that is what we're doing here today. We are talking about who who we are. But I, I don't know. It seems um, like the... The Amazon has been on fire since the last time we recorded, yep. so I don't, like, the things that I'm worried about in life seem pretty yes. trivial when we're, you know, losing you know, thousands of species we have uh, never discovered, like, every day at this point, so. That's the craziest um, thing to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And the well, I mean, what I will say about it, without like getting into the whole like, um, you know, uh, without getting into the capitalism of it all. Yeah. I will say that um, people who are telling people to not eat meat are not helping <laughs> at all, because that's not. The Amazon oh, isn't is burning about. down because you eat beef. The Amazon is burning down because their president gave loggers and huge farms just free reign to cut down everything. And that's like mm. the most direct cause of like why this fire is happening. That's why fires, you know, happen in these places because there's, you know, too much, you know, intervention by man going into there like that's how all forest yep. fires start whether it's like you know someone fucking around with fireworks or there's like giant machinery everywhere but like you know that is a section of the world that you know needs to be preserved and you know it might not it might be using as much oxygen as it's producing as far as the wildlife there but it's still something that i personally i feel like we can have uh should be able to have a section of the earth that is like untouched by human hands but the best that we can do aside from indigenous people living in that jungle the bummer thing is that when it when it comes down to it the bottom line is this all right we have the 
we have the ability, we have the uh, privilege of living on this organism that we do, right? And just some people who are across the other side of the world, who I know nothing about and I don't know, uh, decide to, you know, for their own benefit and nobody else's, to, to raise these forests. And uh, that's upsetting to me because it's like, hey, we're all here. I mean, this is stuff that's obviously been said since the dawn of time, but like, we're all here. Like, just stop fucking around, bro. That's what I say. I can't think right now. My brain's not really working too much. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, get, it's gonna take a little minute to warm up my brain. No, that's all good. I mean, we haven't really gotten into the meat and like. No, we haven't. Um, yeah, this, I don't know, this, like, this I'm whole, I'm upset by uh, it too, James. What was that? I'm upset by it too. Yeah, it just, um, I don't know. It, it fucking sucks. I, I don't like it. I feel like there's not much I can do because I don't, um, I don't have the financial means to donate to a local organization at the moment now. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, busy paying my own bills and especially like, you know, I just bought a very expensive computer from a giant corporation. So I like, I don't know, to preach about this seems kind of um, hypocritical. So I just, um, it sucks. And, you know, if you can help financially, that's great. But also, don't tell people that their lifestyles are burning the Amazon down because that's not helping anyone. And, you know, yeah, you're just causing guilt yeah. tripping isn't going to isn't going to help anything like we we all just need to need to be better. And that's a perpetual true statement. Yeah. No, in, in every single aspect of life, just just try yeah. a little bit harder to lessen the uh, aggravation. And because it only helps you out in the end. Do you know why, Taylor? Do you know why it's well, important? Why? Because it doesn't matter. Mm. None of it matters. So. The only thing why? that matters is you understanding that nothing matters. Exactly. That is to say, um, don't don't go out and just start, you know, messing no, around with people and stuff. That's completely opposite. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's. Yeah, what yeah, what we're trying to uh put forward in that is nothing matters, so why not, you know try your best. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or just just try. You know, some people I've heard in the past there's been a uh you know, it's it's do or do not. There is no try. Um yes. but how do you do without trying first? And I say, uh, you know, let's do. Let's do our best. But uh, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for people to uh, figure that out. Yeah. But, hey, it's Inside Jerks. We're talking about us. Yeah. Especially is, uh, today. Inside Inside Jerks Part 2. Um, now, we, you guys, if you get cannot right into read... It? I don't know. We're, we're going to get into it. But all I'm saying is, for you guys who are... Who are listening right now and maybe this is your first podcast if you didn't read that this is a part two to a previous episode uh yeah I mean, you can do what you want to do keep listening fine but uh there's a there's a whole nother thing that came before this so you know not not as if we're going to get super referential with their own podcast or anything but you know it's um i mean this is kind of interview style so we kind of did half of our interview questions last time and then we're gonna mm. kind of you know, it's as if it's one episode. We're going to continue that interview and then do um, 
you know, a little bit of an extended version of our normal rundown at the end of the show. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, where do you want to, where do you want to go from here? I mean, I've got, I've got your questions up here. I've got some questions. I think the last one of yours we ran down. I don't know if you have yours up in front of you. I do. Um, but yeah, we ended like right at that split. Right at that split. All right. Yeah. So the last question that we were talking about is what was the thing that you would tell your younger self? Um, I don't know if we did. I don't know if we answered it directly, but it kind of, our conversation just kind of like, it was that <laughs> everything we yeah, were saying right. is like, yeah, <laughs> we were talking about our younger selves and we were recognizing, uh, recognizing things that we had, uh, either messed up or, you know, didn't take care of properly in the past. And so that's, that's good. Okay. Yeah. What I, what I would say to my younger self is like, be more like me now. So you can have more time to be even better than you are now. Exactly. It took too long to get to the place where I am now. Like, yes. look, everybody's journey is completely different, and, and time is rather relative to from one person to another, but uh, subjectively, the, it took me far too long to get to where I am now. I wish I had this before, but at the same time, I obviously wasn't ready to have this sort of uh, wisdom, let's say. You know, uh, I probably wouldn't have been able to use it properly anyway, so I'm I'm happy for what is now. I'm happy for the pain and suffering that has gone on uh, here and there in life, because, you know, without that, I wouldn't feel as great as I do now. Uh, but yeah, if I could tell myself one thing, just to retread, which we've already done, you know, school and stuff, I don't want to want to kick that kid and be like, hey, it's not that cool to just be smoking cigarettes and hanging out at a bench with people. Uh, uh, you know? I don't know. That sounds pretty cool to me right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I was real cool. I was real cool. But yeah. damn, but now, am I way now cooler. You're, now you're extra. Extra cool. Yeah, I would say um, I was not good, and now I'm less not good. Extra, extra, we're less not good. Not yeah. bad. We're less bad. Yeah, yeah, yes, less bad. But we're still, I mean... I don't want anybody to get it twisted. We are still bad boys. Hey, we are. Oh, are you kidding me? My hat is on backwards right now. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, I guess we can announce it now because it is somewhat official. It's already been announced on the Twitter, but, uh, do it. We booked BugCon. We're Bam! recording at BugCon. And uh, I did want to mention that, uh, yeah, we had uh, a few extra pro passes. So I gave those out to the Dune Boys. And uh, Jeff from the Dune Boys called us Inside Sweeties. And uh, I got to say, Jeff, I don't like it. We're bad boys. We're not sweeties. No, just because aye, aye. we do nice things does not mean we're not bad boys. Uh, well, he hasn't, he hasn't seen us together full force bad boy mode in our leather jackets and sunglasses yeah the sunglasses that i wear they're wraparounds and they're great I, i'm so oh, bad man. with them i'm bad boy oh man i've got ray-bans because they should be banned because they're so bad oh nice very nice See, i'm such a bad boy that i always put my chair backwards along with my hat two things backwards 
That's a big F you to the man is what I'm doing there. My chair doesn't even have a back. Huh. Well, I, right in front of me I, I have a burrito, but it's not a regular burrito. It's a burrito made out of sushi. It's a sushi rito. I'm bucking the trend. Is it a California sushi rito? Does it have french fries oh, in it? I didn't know what I was getting. No french fries. No, that would be pretty gnarly. <laughs> Just fish and fries. Cali raw burrito. That... fish, raw fish, and the hot fries right next to each other. Yeah, spicy mayo, hot fries, fish, uh, <laughs> a real <laughs> tough nori wrapper. I can smell your breath through Discord. You know, through the first bite, you you got a the the end of it. The other end pops out. Hey, sounds like my my uh, Saturday night. <laughs> uh. But yeah, man, things are things are pretty cool. Things are working well, and especially yes, BugCon, Buzz, Buzz. Uh, put that fly swatter away, cause we're gonna be we're we're in here, baby. Yeah, we're no, buzzing. Ain't no time. Skittle uh, skaddle, give him the claw. Uh, yes, bloody souls. What? Um, yeah. uh, I just don't want. Uh, I don't want the Dune Boys to be there. That's all. They're gonna be there. They're doing a panel. And they're going to be uh, guests on our show. <laughs> they're no, definitely going to be there. <laughs> you know, I'm down You're for going like a to lot have of to people. Meet them, <laughs> and they're, uh, they're, uh, yeah, they are, <laughs> they are self-proclaimed sweeties. So, yeah, I mean. Well, opposites do attract. You know, we are bad boys, so. Yeah, exactly. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, What's and I the... do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, I'm going to reiterate. We're still bad boys, but uh, thanks Jeff for mentioning us on the uh, the BugCon um, pledge drive uh, yeah. last week. That was uh, that was cool. Thanks, man. And um, you're you're very welcome for the theme song. I had a lot of fun writing it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, let's get to the friggin' meat. All right, so let's get down to it. Rump roast. All right, uh, I really like I really like this question that uh, you that? you put here. Uh, movie you're sick of people talking about? Okay. Oh, okay, me movie that uh, okay. There, I feel like this comes and goes in phases. For the longest time, it was Frozen. Now I didn't talk shit about Frozen until I watched Frozen. I got five ten minutes into it. I couldn't do it. And here's the bummer thing about that. I love it. you know the music was disgusting it was terrible uh and i love musicals i love animated films uh but to have this much talk over frozen i now realize it's just because it's it's over the top uh you know learning nothing schlock that is for the babiest of babies and it's just information to be flashed in front of their eye, in front of their eyes uh that was a movie that i was very upset uh people kept talking about and adults are singing about all the time uh but right now that's a that's a real tough one right now i'm gonna give that a think since you like that question so much do you have a you have a movie that uh you hate people talking about still well i mean if you asked me this question six months ago it probably would have been you know one of the hundreds of marvel movies but oh sure 
I've begun to realize that those movies aren't for me, so naturally, like, yeah, I'm gonna think it's bad, so... If you're into it, that's cool. It's, um... I don't know, it's a thing about certain fandoms that is, you know, never avoidable, like... Especially, like, the fan base of... As good as the show is, the fan base of Rick and Morty, like... Exactly. A lot of them are, like, completely insufferable because they... They found something that they like as much as, like, you know, I like Videodrome. And the only reason why I'm not completely insufferable about it is because there's not, you know, a hundred thousand other people who love Videodrome... <laughs> constantly talking about it on the internet <laughs> yeah so well, I, it's i'm like I happy that, that they have that... something that they like that much but i just um when you get that many people that all like the same thing in one place it will get annoying no matter what and i have recently discovered this uh with tool i didn't know that a lot of people fucking hated tool and the last oh, yeah. time they the last time when they came out with an album I was 17 and I was like yeah this is pretty rad and then you know 13 years later another one's coming out and then I find out like everybody hates this band and <laughs> like yeah it's um it's funny cuz like yeah definitely out of all the tool shows I've been to there are definitely some awful people there I don't I wouldn't necessarily say it's the majority. I think a lot of people who do go to their live shows, especially if you catch them at like, mm -hmm. like not in an arena show, like a little bit smaller show, it's just a lot yeah. of people that like the same thing. But there is going to be a small percentage that like are complete assholes and very aggressive and uh, have that mentality that like, oh, you don't like it because you don't understand it. Exactly. And, like when no, I I I. I wish I could have debates with some people. Like, like I unfortunately, uh, one movie that I I did not care for people talking so much about in such a positive light uh, was I, I'm a huge Star Wars guy, and Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi just didn't hit it for me. Look, it's not the worst movie ever made, but I'm just bummed out by some of the choices. Right? No big deal. I didn't care for it. That's all. Uh, did it have some of the best things that I've seen in Star Wars ever? Yeah, it had some really cool shit. But for people to be so defensive of that movie, which is the same sort of in, in the same vein of, oh, you just don't understand it or this wasn't made for you, which is like, what are you talking about? Uh, OK, uh, I sure. mean, it was but, but I'm just definitely I don't know, like that argument doesn't work there because it was made for us and they just got it wrong. <laughs> they got it on the opposite direction. It's like, look, I love the idea yeah. of like switching tropes up and, and, you know, messing around with stuff. But. Uh, you can tell that they didn't have, you know, a, uh, an overall, an overarching story that's already there to, like, link things together. Like, you can tell that it was just, hey, JJ, you what, do what you want to do. Hey, Ryan, just do what you want to do, um, which is a bummer. So I, I actually lost a friend because of this. Uh, and all I was doing was te talking about technicalities of, of just either the script or production uh Wow, what am like, I trying yeah, to say? Actual, actual objective things about the movie yes. that, like, you know, here, you know, this is why, you know, this didn't work in this scene, something like that. That's not just, like, I'm hating no, on this movie for no reason. Like, you know, something exactly. that you could give, like, actual evidence to. Yeah. 
Well, there were certain yeah, characters in my eyes that were unnecessary, and they just so happened to be female, uh, so then it became a gender thing. Uh, why I hate women or something like that. And and this was like within this conversation, and it was really upsetting where I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying this at all. How can you think that that's who I am as a person? Like, you know me as a person, but it, it didn't really matter. Uh, and and it bummed me out to the point of like, okay, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of done talking about this. And that lost, that made me lose a friendship because of that. How the hell does talking about a movie and having a debate about a movie, which, hey, I had some really strong points in my debate. Uh, yeah. But how can you be, how can you ruin a friendship because of that? I'm not really sure. How can you just say, oh, I don't, I'm not going to talk to this person anymore. Like that's, that's basically what happened. And it was, it was odd. Recently we've made up and, and you know, we're, we're fine now. We're good acquaintances or something that's like that. Good. But uh, it, it's, it's odd to see that happening. Especially I'm just that bummed so that we got left with the lesser Tico. Oh yeah, like uh, Rose's sister was way badass, dude, and she yeah, that, that would have been and that scene would have been much more powerful. Like you know, after the first third of the movie or two thirds into the movie. Oh, like, that's the other thing. Yeah, you don't don't introduce a character that you know nothing about, only to have find out later. Oh, somebody else is connected to them. That doesn't make yeah. you sad. You have to and know she, the connection first. Yeah, and she, I mean, she seems rad. I would have liked to see more of, um, I mean, did she even, did she even get a name in the movie or was she just like bomber pilot? Oh, I'm you know, be- sure she. Before that in the, I mean, I mean, I know the character has a name, but she wasn't like introduced by name. Like, you know, they didn't say like. I think she you know, might have said person... my sister so-and-so, which her, her sister Paige. I think she says my sister Paige okay. one time, but that, that. Rose Tico is another one of those characters which look I don't I don't think that uh Ms. Tran had any problem with it like she didn't do the character injustice. I don't no, think that the... character is right for her yeah, exactly. and and and, yeah. and in general the character yeah, was nothing, just unnecessary. Nothing about her acting. No. I mean she she did well with what was given. I just don't think she was yeah. you know given very much of a role like and that's that yeah, along with just mishandled direction, it seems like sometimes for you know it, it, it. This felt a lot like episode one in all the wrong ways. Now I love episode one. I'm not. I'm never going to let anybody say that episode one is a pile of shit because you know what? There's so much to that movie that is rocking. Is it great? Not necessarily. Is it super fucking fun? Yeah. So I'm going to say that with yeah, this. Is it a is it a good Star Wars movie? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, it's better than episode two, Attack of the Clones. I'll say. Uh, yeah. Which but I loved with, when it first came out, and then oh yeah, and then I hated it, and now I'm back to like oh yeah okay this is like a noir detective movie like this is pretty yeah cool. it works oh speaking yeah. of which uh, if if any of you guys out there can find it on either the YouTube's or someplace else now I don't remember who did this uh, maybe let me just look this up real quick to to figure out who did this but there was an there was a fan edit yeah. that somebody had made neon noir it's there very you go. good that's what I'm it's talking all, about. It's episode one, two, and three in about like an hour and 45 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's... The, I wish there was a little more episode one because it starts with um, mm-hmm. the only thing in episode one is the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul. Yeah, the Duel of the Fates. But it is like it's tracking like one one line of story throughout it. So it's like, uh, yeah. no. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn dying, and then um, learning how to live forever as a Jedi, 
while you're trying to, while Obi-Wan Kenobi is trying to solve a murder. That sounds gross. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is trying to solve this, like, murder of, um, like, you know, all these assassination plots and everything like yeah. that. Which you later find out is Zam Wessel, a changing species mm-hmm. person. A changeling, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's why I think of that one just for episode two, because episode two is definitely more of a detective sort of a thing. I mean, you're going around De- Dexter Jetster's place, you're getting some info, you're finding out some weird stuff. Uh, yeah. which is which is fantastic. And and let me just go back real quick to, yeah, with this Neon Noir edit, the way that they just do uh, the Duel of the Fates basically as an opening to this entire thing was fantastic because you have Darth Maul, who is the most classically evil-looking villain that you could possibly think of in any movie, where if you jumped into that sequence not knowing who was who and you knew nothing about these characters, you know, oh, that's the bad guy, that's the good guy. Which yes. is fucking fantastic. Just Absolutely, to throw that in there. yeah. Yeah, um, friend of the podcast, Ray Park. Oh Ray, I miss that guy. He's uh, he he was back for uh, spoiler spoiler. Man, my tongue is getting tied today. I think these concussions are finally catching up with me, and I'm about to have some uh, CTE uh, symptoms coming in real soon. Uh, oh, so boy. we'll see how soon, I, how 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 long I last. But uh, we'll see how long we could do this podcast. Man, if this podcast becomes basically just a a, a chronicle of my slow death. From brain melting uh that would be pretty interesting it would be um i mean the doughboys are so jolly that when they say like one of their podcasts is going to end with two gunshots it's funny but like <laughs> we're pretty sad people so it like kind of loses the charm yeah uh well yeah i i, I who knows what's going to happen because check this out get this guys uh here's a little insight to my life right now uh I, I ran through uh, some medication that I had, and, and I was getting down to the last of the bottle, as, I was, I was, as one is to do, and uh, I realized, oh shit, I hadn't you know, reordered some more prescriptions, and uh, I, I go online, and I realize that I'm locked out, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And I, long story short, call some numbers, and they say, oh, you don't have uh, your insurance anymore for lack of payment, and it says that I hadn't paid since February. Well, that's a lie. Uh, I'm, I, I know it's been a little bit late, but it's, uh, it's nowhere near ha- over half a year late. Like, uh, interesting, uh, that, that has happened. Uh, and so I'm trying to figure things out, but I might not have, uh, Prozac for a while, which means I really need to find a hook for microdosing, maybe, uh, and test that out this time. But, uh, long story short, hey, maybe I get more sad if I don't get meds again. But uh, let's look on the bright side, and hopefully I don't really need them as much anymore, because now I know how to look at things properly. Yeah, and... Um, then again, it's more than just mindset. Yeah, and I know we talked about this on our uh, on our first episode, but, like, yeah, if it... Personally, I don't like taking something that's going to be, um, like, a Zoloft. That's something that you have to yeah. continue taking. Um and there was this analogy because I was given uh, uh, an improper diagnosis of borderline ADD when I was a kid, and my mm-hmm. doctor gave me uh, Ritalin, and it was either I was like just bouncing off the walls or just like completely like catatonic, and yeah. it would just like 
totally jump around day to day, which is probably, you know, it might be something that had to do with like diet or something like that in addition to this medication, but it was like not, it wasn't consistent. And the analogy that the doctor used to describe it was, you know, if you have bad eyesight, then you get glasses. That's what this is. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but if the glasses are making me dizzy or feel weird when I put them on, I can <laughs> just take the glasses off. <laughs> and I was saying that at like 12 years old. And he's like, huh, maybe I need to come up with a better analogy. Like I <laughs> see the gears turning that he's like, oh, I guess that doesn't work. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I've had plenty of experiences with meds that have gone nowhere or have, have led to uh, more sadness and more, more of a depression into a deeper depression. Yeah, which um, was also hard being like 12 years of age and saying yeah. like, I don't like how this makes me feel. Like, I, uh, you know, I, it's hard for me to pay attention in class sometimes. Yeah, but like, you know, maybe teachers can like, you know, have a little more fun with it. And I know being a teacher is hard and everything like that. And like, you know, if you think you get jaded working behind a bar, I could not imagine, you know, working with a classroom of 20 plus kids that are all being, you know, fucking brats. So yeah, I get it, but you know, we, we should definitely focus more on like how, how to engage kids if, you know, Helping kids is something you really want to do. Yeah. And luckily, I was able to come through the other end and find some medication that actually really worked. And, I mean, this is, you know, when it, when, it, when this all started, this was like third grade. It's like I both needed, speaking of glasses, I needed glasses and I needed uh, to figure out what was going on with my emotions. Because there are times where I'm just screaming, crying, like bawling, for, and I have no clue why. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I my parents would be like, what happened? You know, are you okay? Like, what's going on? What's happening? And I just... You know, as as much as I could talk through the screaming, crying, I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. This is, it, it's just, I, I don't know. And it was this, it's some of the scariest shit because, especially as like a little child, you don't know what the what the hell's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah, and your parents don't know oh, what's well. going on either because they're, you know, the idea of they don't know what know, kids uh, are. Uh, like a chemical imbalance when you're a child just like doesn't even doesn't even occur so they sure. have to assume something is going on like whether it's at school or like you know you know some outside force must be causing this thing yeah and i would say if it in, in their weren't minds, for my least, mom's yeah. side of the family i'd say that i wouldn't have this maybe but at the same t at the same time you know luckily my mom has dealt with this sort of stuff and so she was able to handle yeah. it fairly well or be able to you know, talk with me and we can figure out a way to like handle it and whatnot. And so luckily I have a, a parent who's been through this and can figure out what's going on. But, um, if I didn't have that, first off, I probably wouldn't have the depression that I have. And secondly, uh, who knows what would have happened if I had the depression and I didn't have anybody to actually go through with it. If, if my house was uh, a bit more of a mess or something, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the scarier idea, which that, this is why I care so much about, kids who are just going nuts and fucking up and whatever because it's like look i i see how this happens i know i know how this feels and i don't want these kids to go through and fall through the cracks like uh most do uh which you know i fell through the cracks here and there i got kicked out of school for no fucking reason so that's real fun 
but that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, we could talk about that today, but I don't need to talk about it. Uh, that'll come up later, probably at some point. And I'll tell you all about my terrorist act that I got kicked Ooh. out for. Yeah, uh, I um, I had a similar thing, but kind of like on the opposite end of just like, I didn't really know how to deal with people, and um, I mean, it was probably just like everybody becoming that age thing, but I could not, I couldn't handle people being mean to me. I just like did hmm. not have the skill set to deal with that, and Scary. I mean that that kind of. Yeah, that kind of made me, yeah, get a little get a little child depressed as far as that goes, and ended up changing schools, which kind of just made it worse. Because then, like, not only was I like very uncomfortable and not able to interact that well socially, aside from like a small group of friends, I was the new kid at the school too. So it was, um, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird time, but. Well, being yeah. a new kid in school, that's one of the easiest things that you can do. It's so easy. You ha make friends immediately. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> I would suggest I... most people uh, get kicked out of school and go to a new school. And uh, uh, it's, it's easy. Just do it. It's fine. It's not hard. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of... Um, I kind yeah. of deal with that a little bit now when I, like, start a new job and everything. And I'm just like... Um, I'm careful around what I say around people until I get to know them better, but mm -hmm. that can definitely come off as me being extremely shy, but I more just like want to get a feel of like, you know, what's an appropriate way to act around people. And now like I started this job a couple months ago now and mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, finally, finally it's coming around and like my you know, my coworkers are my friends now. And when I first got there, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to relate to these mountain people. And now it's like turned around. And it's like, oh, they're not, you know, we're not that much different. It's just yeah. we're, you know, we were in different places and now we're in the same place. And, you know, I don't, ha I don't have to feel like such a nerd because I'm, there's people who are a lot more nerdy. There's just, um, a lot more, uh, there's a, I don't really know how to, how to word it. Well, I want to There's say a lot of like it... buff meatheads that come into my work <laughs> and I, it took me a little while to realize that none of the people I work with have that like toxic mm -hmm. attitude. So, so you're talking about a couple hunks come in and how does, how does the place react? Oh, uh, these, no, they're not, they're not hunks. They're like, oh man, they're. They're very greasy and hot-headed. They're definitely mm. not hunks. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love my hunks with hot head. <laughs> um, yeah, but I know what you're saying. I, 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 so much of this comes down to the simple side of our brain, right? Like, like the flight or fight sort of thing. Um, yeah. It, it, it comes down to self-preservation in so many ways. Like, Especially being shy, you know, I later found out that that was a huge social anxiety and, and not just me being shy, like there was a bunch more going on there. Um, but looking back, yeah, it's like I don't want to talk to people because it's uncomfortable for me to talk to people. So obviously I'm not going to do it. That's self-preservation right there. But at the same time, yeah, 
going through life and and judging people too quickly, let's say, and and being like, I know that I'm not going to get along with that person, uh, and that's how I'm thinking in my head, and so I want to steer clear of that person. It's like, well, you don't know who that person is. You have no fucking clue. Oh uh, man, that happened to me exactly. I'll let you finish, but yeah, no, I have it, a story it's just about that. More and more, I'm realizing like I have to. It's so much easier now to check myself if there's some like. Uh, some learned instinct uh, emotionally or cognitively, like as I'm thinking about somebody who I'm looking at, um, if there's some sort of disconnect and, and, and I don't know uh, who they are, it's less of a, oh, well, let me just avoid them, and more of a, okay, we've recognized that that's how you want to feel initially, uh, but now we're adults, so we don't have to do that, and let's talk to this person, let's see what's going on. Um, it's it's an interesting change to see, it's interesting, it's something to notice. I wish... I hope people are noticing when this kind of stuff happens and they could they could, you know, keep working on the the good side of things, but it's uh it's it was a hard change to get through all that, you know what I mean? Yeah, get through and past I, those those first triggers. Well, uh yeah, what I was going to say is I um I mean, I haven't I haven't been sleeping that great for like about uh pretty much since I moved. Mm. Um, I was working a lot on some music for a show that ended up falling through. Mm -hmm. Um, and I lost a lot, like probably about a month of sleep just working on that. And then it just kind of transferred into me not being able to sleep until like six or six thirty in the morning. Um, cause I just couldn't, I was accessing this creative part of my brain that only unlocks after like 1am yep. and I can't turn that off now. Um, and that changed into just like kind of half sleeping for about like seven or eight hours. So mm. sleep from like 7 a.m. to like two or three in the afternoon and then just wake up like feeling totally groggy and like garbage because it's not um, it's not real sleep. It's like you're, well, you're missing out um, on that uh, Michael Stipe. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Are you asleep? Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. One of my coworkers. I. You know. Just kind of like gradually. Like. Yeah. I don't. I'm not really sleeping right now. Just like. You no. Know, I get to sleep at this time, and then like. You no. Know, it was. People were starting to notice that, like, hey, like you don't look so great, like. And then, um, yeah, just like, I was like, yeah, I just, I just can't sleep right now. And then like, I got off of work a little bit early and just sat down next to one of my coworkers and we just started talking and it just like totally opened up and I was like, whoa, like this person is my friend. <laughs> mm. I like finally realized like, nice. oh yeah, I'm not just, you know, this isn't just something I like, I, I go in, clock in and blah, 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 it. like. It's, um, yeah, like being able, like, as soon as I opened up, she completely opened up too. And now it's like, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's like a huge difference between like going in there, like, I don't know any of these people, I don't know how they react. And then just like taking that little bit of time to just like, you know, talk music and other stuff like that. And it just mm -hmm. like yeah completely opened up this this world that like yeah like you were saying like i completely 
I mean, I wouldn't say completely, but I just like, um, I, I mean, judgment as such like a negative connotation, but I just judge that she would not have any similar interest to me. And then it like mm -hmm. turns out like, yeah, we listen to a lot of the same music and, you know, think about things very similarly. And now, yeah, yeah. Now I can actually say like, yeah, pretty good friend of mine in this area. Yeah. So just it's, off it's... of, you know, one, one time opening up and then it was just like, yeah, it's like that thing I was saying a few episodes back. Um, you know, you could, you can, um, create a lot more interest in yourself being interested by in other people. So mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely works and you know, put yourself out there. It's worth it. Feels yeah. Good. All, all you got to do is work on that way of exiting a conversation. And then once you get that down, you can talk to anybody. Uh, I've realized this recently, like, like people look, Hey, there's a customer here and there and maybe I don't care to talk to them because look, I'm either tired or, or just, you know, they're, they're rubbing me the wrong way. But if somebody is talking with me, I'm going to keep that conversation going for a while. You know, it's just small talk sort of stuff. But yeah. just to be noticed by staff of some place, I've realized is like a huge fucking thing. Um, I mean, and this this should have been obvious for a very long time, but it wasn't until recently. And it's just like, now that I have this, this extra little uh, talent of being able to be like, you know what, that looks, that sounds pretty great, man. And just kind of walking away as it's going and you're able to end a conversation without saying, well, I gotta, uh, I have to go. I have here. to be doing uh, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this can, this goes over with, with any sort of relationship, whether it be friendship, relationship, uh, like, you know, significant otherwise. Um, it's pretty neat to be able to just Think something of somebody or, or, or you know, uh, first, you know, initial interactions with somebody uh, weren't weren't too hot. But then later you realize, oh, there are, we have so much more in common. And, oh, this is a friend of mine. I feel like it's so much more difficult to make friends as an adult just because, hey, everybody's doing their own stuff and you're adults. And, and to the, the idea alone of asking somebody, hey, do you want to be my friend is not, you know, it's, you can do that when you're a child. You can say, hey, do you like Power Rangers? I like Power Rangers too. And then you have an immediate friend automatically versus now it's like you, you got to suss things out. We've had friends in the past that have been really sh real shitheads, but we thought they were really cool at first. And so now we have this sort of wariness about trying to go about handling relationships. Um, and it's it's an interesting, again, it's it just, just being cognizant of these changes and these things happening is really fucking weird. And yeah. I hope more people than not are finding these things out. Yeah, and yeah, when you're a kid, you know, Power Rangers is really easy, but it's really hard to find someone who's into, like, the same obscure German krautrock band as you. And, you know, that could be really, really difficult. I wasn't listening to experimental krautrock when I was into Power Rangers, but... No, yeah. I'm saying now. Now. <laughs> it was Power Rangers <laughs> when you were a kid... No, what about when people, you know, at the surface and, and after a few interactions, it's like, man, I really like this person. Then after a while, you realize that there's nothing else to talk about. And it, yeah, you get you, into that awkward position. You kind of just burned everything on, like, the first couple mm -hmm. conversations. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... We, we just kind of met in the middle, and this is it. We have completed our Venn diagram. I... We have completed Venn diagram. Yeah, that's that's great. I like that. I'm going to use that at some point. 
have you um, have I ever showed you the uh, Venn diagram about music? I've seen it. If I know what I'm talking about, or if you, I know so, what you're talking about. Platypus? It's um, it's music I like on the left side, music you like on the right side, and in the middle is music I used to like. <laughs> <laughs> That's, man, I just saw a Miller Lite commercial, and I'd never watch commercials, but uh, on this Hulu, which I have for like 99 cents a month or whatever, is some Black Friday deal. Uh, I've got, you know, the cheap Hulu, which is commercials. And there was a Miller Lite commercial with with Krongbin music playing in it. You know, the psychedelic rock, really mm -hmm. groovy, sexy shit. And I heard the music and was like, whoa, who's doing this? Like, you know, excited. Who's playing Krongbin? And uh, I look up and it's a Miller Lite commercial and it's, it weirded me out. And so I, I said to a, a, gr a group of friends, hey, I just saw this, you know, Miller commercial. And they said, uh, a friend of mine reminded me, it was like, a, yeah, what do they want us to be like, find common ground somehow through music? And I said, fuck, yeah, you know what? Who wants to have understanding and empathy towards other people? And how, how, how is it? It's impossible to do that through music. It, it's just, uh, that, that's a fantastic way of looking at things. And I, I love the idea of, hey, I can't get upset with lame people liking good music because, hey, they're liking good music. Whether I knew about it first or whatever, it doesn't matter uh, that we're now connected through another way. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool to see. Yeah, one cool thing one thing you have in common with something is as valuable as like ten things you don't have in common with sure. someone. It like can totally outweigh that. Well, for sure, I'd agree with that. Now, speaking of that, are, are there bands that uh, you just don't know why people like them or why the band exists, or, well, I or did... is there some pop thing? I mean, I did talk about um, Tools fan base, but that is a band mm -hmm. that I, that, uh, you know, once every decade and a half when they come out of an album, with an album, I'll listen to it for a week and be like, yeah, this is cool. And then not talk about them again <laughs> until they release an album. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it because it's almost turned into a... Um, its own genre now, which I think is going to be, um, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the two thousands would be, but the 2010s, it was like auto tune. And then, um, I guess, um, yeah. Getting into, um, like trap music too. Sure. Um, that like, you know, that, those like really fast hi-hats and the mm -hmm. kind of like like uh scat rapping um but imagine dragons is oh man i don't like it's there are so many bands that sound like that now and it's like i even sat down and tried to listen to them it's like okay i get i get why this is popular but i don't know why it's, it's faux so hippie shit yeah, but I, I just don't understand why it, like, has gotten so huge. And then, like, Jeremy Renner came out with, like, a couple of joke songs, but then actually, like, earnestly wrote a song that just sounds like Imagine Dragons. I'm like, okay, I guess this is, I guess this is a genre now. 
because Jeremy Renner's doing it, which is also very, very weird for this like actor that I liked so much, and mm-hmm. you know, then he just started, um, like even like the first Avengers movie. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm glad they, I'm glad they included some of the little guys in this, and now <laughs> he's just like. <laughs> fucking huge and i like i loved him and Dahmer and the hurt locker and now he's just like fucking everywhere and just a joke of himself and i just like that's not what i ever wanted from my jeremy well this might help uh i recently saw that he has a little store uh it's it's called the jeremy renner store on amazon and i say i want to see what this guy's picking out it's all camping equipment and it's pictures of him holding a mug in the middle of the woods or something. And it's okay. really weird. And I don't know what I that's can, all about. I mean, camping equipment, I mean, that's that's pretty rad. As long as he's, like, you know, it's high-quality stuff at reasonable prices. I can't I really, so. like... Yeah, I mean, that that's cool. Especially if it's, like, one theme and it's not just, like, I like this lamp. I like this side table to go with this lamp. Like, that would be, like completely insufferable but like yeah camping equipment i can get behind that so it's just yeah. a wish list with a megaphone for the most part i feel so yeah i think that balances out um jerry memoriner's cover of uh the crashed test dummy song Mm-mm-mm-mm. so uh yeah that's that's been like cleared off the board so that's good okay well uh i i will say that it's strange that Imagine Dragons or that sound, again, this sort of faux hippie, this neo-hippie trash fake shit. And it's uh, like supposed to they it's like supposed to be like swamp blues and <laughs> like really echoey uh, vocals, and it just seems like someone heard this band and then they're just like, here's a bunch of money, now you're famous, and you're gonna be like doing these giant arena shows now. And that like just it feels like it was just um like handed over that it didn't really yeah. like i mean who knows well they there could was have a progression been, towards this right they could have been pretty big in their hometown and then they're like oh yeah these guys are going places but it seems like this was like you know one of those things where it's just fed to us commercially for like no reason they're just like oh yeah this this will sound good in a super bowl ad well, this this reminds me of when a friend of mine was talking about how they were going to be uh, featured in Alternative Press magazine, uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty, it's pretty neat. How did that happen?" And he's like, "Oh, we just had to pay." Like, wait, what? He's like, "Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's basically an article that's an advertisement for this band, right? That's basically Ugh. what happened." Uh, which was odd, and I and I lost I kind of respect. How can we do time. that for our podcast? <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's like, I don't agree with that, but at the same time, well, if that's how it works, fuck it, do it. Like, go for it. So so who knows how much money Imagine Dragons had behind them, and if that was, like, a key to it. But at the same time, they had stepping stones along the way, uh, you know, through the history of music, which is, you get some really good hippies music, you get some, some mamas and the papas and stuff, and through the years, you know, that transforms into some other stuff, and, and you get to, like, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, which I will say, I enjoy that band. Um, I like Alex Ebert's uh, solo stuff, and then he he did the uh, the soundtrack for uh, that Robert Redford. Uh, he's he's alone at sea movie, mm, which I can't think of what mm, it's called yeah. right now. Um, anyway, it, it, I feel like Imagine Dragons is 
like Edward Sharp type of hippie stuff with through the lens of like popular Kings of Leon. Uh, and yes. so it's like the world knows more, about what's going on. Yeah, a little more electronics, of, but yeah, I, I feel you on yeah. Yeah, they, 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 like this world, you know, I love Kings Very, of Leon. Sex is on Fire is one of the best songs I've ever heard, if not the best song. Uh, and like that along with, oh, Edward Sharp, oh, those, those, that's the guys who did that home song that I saw on Ellen where a small child covered it. Okay, I know what that is. And then with that, once Imagine Dragon comes in, it's like, oh, this is kind of a mixture of things that I like. This is great. And then everybody who uh, is a daytime show watching, talk, daytime talk show watching person loves Imagine Dragons, dude. And then yep. you get on those shows and then That's you get true. bigger they and bigger were, and bigger. They were on Ellen. So I were think they? what we're finding is, yeah, Ellen DeGeneres is an incubator for, um, you know, that, well... Anderson Pock was on Ellen too, and then I was like, oh, "Yeah, he no. was." <laughs> and that's some talent. Well, this is the this that is the was great like, thing about this, right? So I remember talking about Anderson Pock, and like, no one knew who you were talking about. He was playing shows to yeah. like. I mean, this is gonna sound like, oh, he was good when no one knew about him. But I just like <laughs> seeing him on Ellen. I was like, well, yeah. This goes back to what you were saying about the Miller Light thing. It's like. Yeah, he's really good, but now everybody's going to know about him. And, like, I think the fear in that is that the music is going to change. Because his mm -hmm. audience is wider and his audience is bigger, that there's this thing in my mind that his, you know, music is going to get not as good because he has to play to a wider audience. But, yeah. I don't I don't think that really happened. I haven't listened to any of his newer stuff. I haven't listened to anything since Still Malibu. Pretty good. But But I mean Thundercat got out there and yeah. he's still just as good. I will say that Kendrick Lamar did that and his music is not as good. I can I will say um yeah, like I was and there's probably going to be some people actually I mean no one who listens to this would give a shit I don't think but like damn is not a good album like no I didn't you know, enjoy it some of his lyrics are good but the production is lacking so much for like how talented he is and you know the kind of message that he had in his earlier work that it's just fell totally flat and you know, it doesn't get played as much anymore. It was very, it was very short lived. And I think it got, yeah. you know, it got, it got the play it deserved. People listened to it for a bit and then they moved on to the next thing. Cause it just didn't have the staying power of like, um, you know, to pimp a butterfly, which is still a great I album. I still listen to that. Yeah. I was just listening to, uh, I was just like out. blasting King Kunta in my car the other day. It's great. Sure. Well, uh, that's a, I don't know if that's the song that you should be blasting, maybe, but uh, I or, had the or screaming along to while you're looking, staring at people as you're. I was by. not screaming along to it, and my <laughs> windows were up, and I was on a mountain road. <laughs> but that track is, as they say, fire. Yeah, I was uh, listening to Cool Keith too loud in my car with the windows down, and then I, like. Yeah, it was cool enough to have the windows down, but it wasn't like this is not the kind of town you play Cool Keith in. <laughs> sure. 
Well, I was listening to 1997's uh, Sex Style, and I don't know if you're familiar with that album, but it is, uh, no, um, we'll just say it's horny. Very horny. <laughs> Man, it's a straight up uh, Stegosaurus tale. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of talk of pee play on that album, so, um. Oh, press play? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of water sports on that album. No, Quite I'm, a bit, I'm, oh, actually. Oh, Sure. Yeah, okay. something like that. There's, um... What's Marco the, Polo. Um... Yeah, it's, uh... If you haven't listened to that album, I would check it out. Um, that's not going to be one of my recommendations of the day, but, you know... Now, with, if you're with cool If you're a fan too. of Cole Keith's Sex Style is, is a pretty good album. Like, the... The beats on that are pretty fucking awesome. And if you want to just listen to um, a dude rap about how horny he is, it's like, yeah, it's got some... uh, You can listen right here, right now. Hey there, guys, I'm a uh, horny guy. Hey there, guys, I'm a real horny guy. Hey there, guys, I'm a horny guy. Don't look at me, because I'm horny. If I look at you, my boner will grow bigger. If I don't look at you, it might go down. Look at me, I'm a horny guy. So, we got that going for us. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that, James. Oh, I did. Uh, no, I'm... I'm, I'm gonna throw a beat bands. underneath it. You better throw a beat under it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about how bands are... You know, comfort is the killer of creativity, I want to say. Especially in music. Absolutely. Um, I can't fucking play metal anymore because I'm not as angry as i used to be sort of and you don't have to be angry to dig into metal but like if you're doing black metal stuff like you got to be kind of depressive and have a mindset of of fucked up sick ass chords bro but um i'm thinking how popularity is never it shouldn't be the killer of an art um but i'd say like with with Without knowing the person, obviously, without knowing the man, uh, Kendrick Lamar, I'm sure, um, his life has gotten a little bit cushier after those first couple albums that were released on big labels, and uh, from there, I'm sure production got, uh, you know, there's more budget for things to be done, but at the same time, uh, there's a there's a comfort level that might have stipend a little bit of that creativity. Am I saying that the yeah. album is terrible? No, not in any way. It's just nothing compared to, to Pimp a Butterfly. And I would say, Kendrick, that album is a life-changing album. Thank you so much for putting that into this world for yes, us. Yes, absolutely. Friend of the show, Kendrick Lamar, and we're sorry for shitting on Dan. But uh, I'm thinking about that along with, like, Kings of Leon, where, you know, you have these drunk assholes, like, making music that was really fun, and uh, it sounds like drunk southern music. It's perfect. And then, you know, they cleaned up, which is a fantastic thing. I'm not knocking that, but uh, the comfortability with what comes with uh, uh, all this fame and fortune sort of just, you don't have that drive as much maybe to, to create art as art as much as, hey, where's the paycheck or whatever. And again, bottom line, I'm not saying that anybody's just doing it just for the paycheck, but that's, uh, who can deny that that's money the implication, and comfortability yeah. uh, has, is a huge factor. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say a good example of that would be, um, Fiddler. 
amazing first album and they're just a bunch of drunk assholes and mm -hmm. then their second album is like a little bit more poppy but they're still drunk assholes and then the newest album is just like it i mean it's fine it's well written sounds good but it's like too happy for what i want at a fiddler like it's just not it doesn't have that uh that edge that aggression to it that the uh that the first two albums had and even like um yeah there are definitely some pop sounds on their second album but their third album just is um it's just like kind of flat like I don't know. There's no edge to it, whether whether it be like adding new instruments or this like you know kind of aggression that they had before. It's just um, I don't know. Like I could definitely like hum along to most of the songs on the first two albums, and I just like it's just not memorable. And I love those dudes, so like yeah, don't. Well don't stop doing it. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just, um, you know, maybe, you know, drink some more forties. I, I would say don't, I don't stop. think they're, I don't think they're sober. They're probably just drinking fancier beer now. Something that they, you know, <laughs> that they championed against on their first album. With that band, uh, you lose a lot of, uh, I mean, bottom line is they're, they're, they're kind of punk band, right? Like folk punk band. Yes. Away. Yeah, I heard some stuff recently, uh, and it I was confused. I was like, I don't think this is the right fiddler. And I'm like, well, there's there could only be one, I guess. But what is this? This sounds strange. Too soft. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, I I want punk when I'm listening to fiddler. And the most recent album wasn't, wasn't very punk. And, you know, that's fine. Bands can change their sound. I'm not, like, trying to, to diss them, but it's just not... You know, not necessarily what I'm looking for when I when I want to hear that music is all. Oh no, and, uh, and that's a huge thing. And I, I mean, might have said this last episode, but the idea of like a sweat, I want sweat in my music. Yeah, and maybe you know, maybe there's people. I'm sure there's people that that's their favorite album or their introduction to the band, mm -hmm. and then they go back and listen to the other stuff, and it's like you know this moment, this like kind of gateway into the band. So yeah. you know, maybe that's that's all it is, and. You know, maybe, you know, I should do something like that to, like, you know, bring other people into, like, weird ambient music, too. So, like, mm -hmm. someone who did do that, um, like, Lapalux, his first albums were, like, super weird and dark and kind of spooky. And then he released, um, what's the, uh... It's his um, brain feeder uh, one. It's got like midnight peelers on it, and um, uh, I think the song is called like "Take Money." And it's like this weird experimental, like space disco, like kind sure. of like more accessible kind of stuff. And then he follows that up with Ruinism, which is like super dark, full on deep house, just like noise assault and a bunch of people mm. didn't like it because they first heard the um yeah the his first brain feeder album and i fucking love ruinism it's one of my mm -hmm. 
It's one of my favorite um, electronic records of all time. And it seems weird to say that with a record that's you know, going on two years old at this point. Sure. Like, only you know that new, and it's one of my favorite electronic albums. But It was released I... in, on June 30th of 2017, but yes. Oh, okay. I thought it was November 2017. No, no. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, that album's incredible, and it, you know, it felt weird at first, and then I realized, like, after, you know, the third consecutive month that I was listening to it every day, it's like, no, there's, you know, this is undeniable for me, this is an amazing album, and, and yeah, so maybe it's something like that, maybe you, like, take a step back, explore new things, um, you know, let everybody into this sound and then you can go back to like you know explore different fan bases and then come back to your you know your um no your bread and butter your or your meat and potatoes whatever whatever like whichever side of that analogy means like really good thrashy punk in fiddler's (laughs) case sure and what you were mentioning about um, like metal and it being aggressive and like you know you being um, a happier, uh, better, less depressed person. Uh, one band that I can say that I always have a huge smile on my face when I'm listening to them is Power Trip, and they're like one of the <laughs> most like one of the most aggressive bands that's playing right out. now. Like yeah, they're yeah. They, they've reached a new threshold and I love their music so much. And I always have this like huge smile on my face. It reminds me of like first listening to Pantera when I was an angry kid, but like I'm not a kid and I'm not angry anymore. It's like, I, I can release that same energy, but it's like all like positive that, you know, I just, cause they're, um, now they have these like just completely ridiculous guitar riffs that they're just having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I don't necessarily have a smile on my face when I'm listening to high on fire. I love high on fire and I like love like jamming super fast on my bike, listening to high on fire. But like, man, power trip makes me very, very happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, some of my favorite black metal, uh, the first time I heard this album, there, there's this band called uh, Summoning, and I want to say they are from Austria. It's two dudes who are just fucking Lord of the Rings nerds, all right? So their music sounds like music that could be in Lord of the Rings, like like the, a tempo of drums that feel like, you know, a giant group of marching people and stuff. Um, and the, the vocals sound like... Uh... Oh, man, now I can't even think what those things are called. What are those Reaper things, man? One of those uh, Grim Reaper guys on a horse in the in the Hobbits. Uh, ring Wraith. And it, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The, the Ring Boys. So they sound like Ring Wraith. Like everything just works, and it and it's such a nerdy thing, but it's also really fucking evil sounding and great. Um, I I suggest anybody who has the slightest interest in metal just checking out these guys. Uh, this particular album is called Old Morning's Dawn. There's a point where I'm just laying down in, in my, my buddy's bed at the time, uh, and we were both just chilling out listening to this album, and there was a point that hit on this one track, and I want to say it was the title track, uh, and it just, I had to, I, I jolted up, and there's a huge smile on my face, because it's like, this is, 
something else. This is something really, really, you know, special here. And, you know, like, I don't like bands unless they make me smile because I'm going to be getting enjoyment out of bands for the most part, right? Yeah. Am I going to smile every single time that I hear them? No. But the very first time, if, if a band has made me smile uh, as I'm listening to them for the first time, you know that it's good. And that should go for everybody, I want to say. If a band is making you smile, yeah. no matter what people are saying, just keep liking that band. Do you? Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break here. Let's take um, a break. are back so i got a couple questions here that are um one's kind of a follow-up question that is like similar uh but i think uh i mean they're essentially the same question but different context uh first one being what was your first memorable experience with psychedelics uh oh okay um so Strangely enough, I've only done shrooms one time, mm-hmm. um, and the story there is that it was, let's see, was this half Christmas time? No, it was a different time. So, uh, I got shrooms, uh, we went to a burrito place, I shoved them in my burrito, I, I ate them, and we were on our way from the Bay Area, from San Jose, into Monterey. We were going to go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Mm-hmm. And so halfway there in the car ride, I found there's some music that we accidentally came across on the radio. And at the exact same time, everything started kicking in. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is uh, this is incredible. And my friends are like, hey, how you doing back there? And the only way to describe it was like, well, it feels like my back is smiling. Like it just had this this kind of joy throughout my body, which is odd. And this music comes in. Uh, and it took me months to track it down because I didn't have Shazam or anything. Um, and the people who did it, it wouldn't work. Uh, they couldn't recognize it. But it turns out that it was uh, chicha. The genre, at least, is chicha, which is like uh, Peruvian psychedelic cumbia music. Mm. I've never heard anything like it before, and it blew my fucking mind. And while I'm going up there, uh, we, we stop at a light, and I see these kids playing in a yard. And I'm just like, dude... I cannot wait to have kids and do shrooms and just like play in the sandbox and get weird with it. Like that's when I realized like, why the hell do people like freak out about this so-called drug? Like this is just, I feel so great right now. So uh, we're heading up and and we get to the destination, which is the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Um, Did I choose, this, this was almost by accident that this just lined up so perfectly and it was just, this was the day that I did shrooms or whatever. And holy cow, was it a grand experience. Now, it might have looked odd to the the person outside of our, our little group of friends or whatever, this this man who's wearing all denim and is trying to grow a mustache, so I have this really <laughs> shitty QB, uh, you know, premature boy mustache going on. Um, and I'm sitting in this room where, for those of you who haven't been there, there's this room where they have a, uh, the waves crash in. Uh, you know, we, we are just outside of the docks of to this open bay, and the waves crash in and fall over you. In this particular room, you have this window that basically extends from the ceiling 
down behind you. So every time that there's a wave, this wave will come up and splash over you. Now, I don't know if I could describe it that well, but when you're there and you're on shrooms, that's the coolest room to be in. Because you're here in the water, you're seeing the water, all this stuff is happening. And so I'm this guy with all these kids. All these kids are like playing around. And I'm just like, yeah, this is cool, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, man. And I wasn't like really fucking obtuse and strange, but um, I, I did think that while looking at some seahorses that I was like, man, these are like the Mafia Dons for sure because they were like weirdly bigger, <laughs> like weird, weird things. And, the, and the, to cap it all off, the, the best moment of being there not only, you know, experiencing things and, and, you know, doing the touch pools and stuff like that, playing around, uh, playing around with sea stars, but there's this kid who is held up by his mom. You know, both his hands are up on the glass of this one tank. And the shark swims by, uh, a shark swims by. And I'm guessing that this is the first time a kid has ever been that close, obviously, to a shark. And it swims by, and the way that this kid goes like, oh, whoa! This, like, two-year-old kid <laughs> is so... His mind is absolutely blown. And I could feel that curiosity and that excitement. And that made me so fucking happy. Uh, and that's when I say, well, this this is a pretty great drug. Um, and I was loving it until we decide for some reason to have food at Bubba Gump's. Oh, and man. I get some lobster bisque <laughs> that... I thought it was just me being uh, being super sensitive and high. But like, you could I could tell immediately that this was like packaged from like a powder almost like kind of a soup thing going on and at the yeah. same time i'm realizing oh this isn't that good i i'm looking behind my friend in front of me behind my friend there's this booth of two people who are very young like i guarantee just turned 21 and they are pounding drinks like th- they chose bubba gumps to get fucked up at right Damn. and i could just feel this vibe from this guy as he's staring at this woman and there was this sense of these kids. It was like this sense of like, oh, I totally want to fuck right now. Like it was this that I felt this happening. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Like this is really bumming me out. While they're chugging glasses of of some sort of fucking giant tall cocktail that has flashing lights on the bottom of the glass, uh, and they're just going to town on some like crab. Uh, it was on. Oh, and I'm oh, sorry. One more thing happening all at the same time. Just being very aware of my surroundings at this point. Um, there's a child who is with uh, the family. It was like an only only child, mom and dad there. And uh, he has a cup of mayonnaise somehow. Or a cup of, yeah, a cup of mayonnaise. And he, <laughs> which he asked for. They asked for the child, can we have a cup of mayonnaise, please? To which the, the kid is looking at his parents. And when they're looking away, he's taking like sips of it from the cup. And he's, you know, Whoa. to have a child's eyes darting around while he's sipping mayonnaise was very odd. And I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, other than that, that was my first experience. Well, speaking of Bubba Gumps and psychedelics, more so the psychedelics than Bubba Gumps, what was your the first uh, Bubba Gump experience that you remember? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm wondering what... <laughs> how about this? Not the first, but what's the most influential experience, psychedelic-wise? Um, well, I mean, I, I kind of want to do both. So, uh, most memorable experience is going to be, uh, yeah. First time I did mushrooms, I was about 19 and, um, you know, at everybody's, uh, first time doing this, uh, you're told the, uh, the myth that if you drink vitamin C, it will make you trip harder. So, Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we ate our mushrooms. I think we like split an eighth, and then we walked. Um, it's like a twenty-five minute walk to Seven Eleven, and we got like a big jug of Sunny D, and we were walking on the uh, the Los Gatos Creek Trail, drinking the Sunny D, and then it starts to hit me, and we're both just start giggling while we're drinking Sunny D, which like <laughs> Sunny D tastes like shit, and I think yeah, that's when I realized I was tripping. I was like. This Sunny D tastes like garbage. <laughs> and then, like, it started, it was just, like, so much flavor and so much sugar that I could, like, I could just, like, feel, feel it. the sugar entering my veins. And, like, that was making me laugh. The, like, ridiculous, like, um, you know, they're trying to replicate the taste of oranges and it's like really not good <laughs> absolute like failure having this like total analog of this of this like thing that's supposed to be somewhat like orange juice was just the funniest thing in the world to me and then mm. um like yeah i mean i guess that would be the first time i experienced like uh you know the infinity of everything and that um you know as uh as temporary as we are, like, here, there's, you know, there's somewhere else that we exist in Infinity where there's, like, no, you know, no body to you or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, my first experience with um, realizing that I'm, like, you know, piloting a vehicle and not, you know, trapped in a body. Um, yeah. And that, you know, there's something something more to just a, a body and consciousness isn't you know there you know there's probably something else to it um and then um that and um which i think is because this was in in san jose so you know we don't get a whole lot of stars out there but you know when you're you know most of what when you can't see that many stars is the surrounding lights are not allowing your pupils to dilate far enough mm -hmm. to see that many stars like the light is making it so your you know your eyes are adjusting to that amount of light so when yeah, you light, do, light pollution is no joke yeah when you do psychedelics and your eyes are dilated anyway regardless of the light that's coming in you can see more stars regardless of how much mm. light there is around. Um, you know, it's not the light that's polluting the sky. It's the light that's polluting your eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there were like 10 times as many stars. And I, you know, and then that made me realize even, you know, even more of this of infinity that exists. Because you can like, especially on psychedelics, you could like see how the earth is moving through space. Because that's like that's all enhanced and you can like see motion in it um mm -hmm. which is like yeah um so yeah that was like the first that was my first experience with psychedelics um most influential is um all right i'm just gonna get into it this might be this might be a long one it's very very weird but um go for it i got some uh um Okay, well, there's there's a couple stories to this one, but I'll I'll talk about like uh, when it started. Um, so we took it. It was like a summer day. Took it about six p.m. So we could get like the transition going into night, and we were kind of trying to time it 
So we would start tripping right when when the night times happened. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to have some weed. And one of our friends was like, oh, we shouldn't. We should go to the, the club. I've got a recommendation and I'll just get some pre-rolled joints. And I was like, cool. I have my recommendation as well. I'll go in with you. And we walk over there and this stuff was coming on fast. Like I could already feel like, you know, I was a little lighter in my step, maybe floating about half an inch off the ground. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's all good. We'll be in and out in like, you know, 10 minutes. We're just going to get you know get some rollies and go uh we go in and they do not have any pre-rolled joints and they're like we could just roll eight joints for you if you want and then <laughs> i was like because i walked in there with my sunglasses on and then he's like oh can you take your sunglasses off so i can check your id and then i showed him my id just pulled my sunglasses down and then he handed me my ID back and I immediately put them back on <laughs> and I'm standing there. This guy is rolling joints and then the walls just start melting and then I could mm. see the bones in his hands while he was rolling the joints. And I was like, I've got to get the fuck out of here. And then it was <laughs> like, I was just like trying to like, trying not to make too much eye contact, but also like trying not to look suspicious, which is the most su mm -hmm. suspicious thing you can do. And um, so we, you know, finally finishes the last joint. And then I'm like, like fucking dying, like experiencing full on death, leaving the, uh, the pot club. And I have no idea how long we were in there. And, <sighs> My friend Ramon is laying sideways on a planter box, also with sunglasses on, like doing like the Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park pose. And then I was like, man, it seemed like we were gone for a long time. And then he takes a long pause, sits up, looks me straight in the eye and says, sometimes. <laughs> Which is like, it's like, yeah, you're right. Because... Sometimes it felt like I was there for five seconds. Sometimes it sure. felt like I was there for a decade. Um, but going in further to the night, I kind of get in like loops when I'm tripping. Like I'll wander around the same places like because I need like some amount of familiarity to know that I'm like, you know, sometimes I need to know I still like exist in a physical form when I'm way out there. I just need to get like reattached so I'll get into these loops of like, I'll have like three different places that I'll go to that I'll like spend a few minutes in each spot and just kind of wander around. Um, but this was like all at, at one house at the end of a cul-de-sac. And probably about the third or fourth loop I was on after like, you know, tripping really hard, like looking at my friend's face and his face like morphing into all his brother's faces um which was yeah. also super weird and he was saying that yeah he was seeing my dad and my brother in my face too and that was like super weird uh to like it seemed like um yeah yeah that was like the you know, time definitely doesn't exist kind of thing and mm -hmm. everything's happening right now um so uh yeah after that for a while third or fourth time I'm in the cul-de-sac there are um, 
like gold outlines being lifted out of the ground and it suddenly like as it's lifting they're in like the form of pyramids and it was all like kind of gold wireframe mm-hmm. and it was like uh like aztec or mayan pyramids which i was seeing you know all kinds of hieroglyphics like that everywhere um but yeah this whole whole cul-de-sac had this like wireframe hologram and it was this battle of these um this like tribe their village getting like attacked and it was hard to tell if it was like a another warring village because that's what it more seemed like Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like it was like a conquistador thing and people were getting slaughtered it seemed like a pretty like even you know they were on on even terms and it was a you know war between tribes kind of thing because i didn't get the feeling that Mm -hmm. it was like you know a slaughter it was just like you know sometimes war war happens was the feeling that i got from it and then there was this like out of the middle of it after like it was pretty much just like everybody everybody died and as far as the the battle went like there wasn't (laughs) there wasn't a winner so maybe that was the thing like you know, no one wins in war kind of thing. Maybe that yeah. was the message. A skull, um, again, like wireframe, a skull came out of the ground, looked right at me, and then a fire came out of its eyes, and then it was like wrapping around itself, and it was like like folding in and out with fire, and it just was just kind of floating there staring at me, and I was just like, I was that little kid who had seen a shark for the first time and I like, yeah, that was like the, the first time I ever got like really, you know, a really intense, like three dimensional visual of something that wasn't there, like something other than, you know, making up patterns on the sidewalk. This was like, you know, a real physical thing and it, it was like scary and beautiful and also, like, I couldn't figure out if it was a manifestation of my own, in my own brain, or if it was, like, actually, you know, a message being sent, and why, you know, why Mayan or, or sure. Aztec, like, why, why was, what was this connection to, like, um, you know, ancient civilizations of South America, like, why was that the thing I'll that was being present, presented to me, because I don't, like for as much as I've seen stuff like that on psychedelics, I don't know a whole lot about it. Like I know the architecture and you know that they were invaded by Spain, but I don't know um no, I don't know a whole lot other than their um you know, their predictive calendar as far mm-hmm. as um, you know, it's starting over and you know, then I realized it was right around that time where that calendar was starting <laughs> over in 2012. And I think that was what, you know, they're the only, you know, the only people that had a clock, a running clock that mm-hmm. had just, you know, ticked to the last point. So it was like, like I was seeing the end of, I was seeing the end of the era because that was, you know, that was their like their end of what their reign was supposed to be if they hadn't had you know that um violent intervention by through mm-hmm. invasion 
Um, so yeah, I didn't really understand the significance of that until way later that like, oh, okay, I was being showed this because like, we're moving, we're moving into something new now. And I think that was what the, um, you know, what, what I was supposed to be getting out of that. And, um, no, it was just like extremely trippy and kind of, um, like, uh, yeah, it changed like my my foundation of like what's what's real what's in my head i don't really i mean i'm not really sure even today like what is you know what is in our minds and what is like a collective memory and what the like relationship yeah. between that is and how um you know how other people's experiences affect you and like this like broader range of like collective consciousness so it was um yeah no it was it was very weird and very cool but um yeah eye-opening mind-opening yeah do you do you have one do you have an influential one or is that uh the the aquarium all part of that because i got like really weird and trippy and like not funny about it so like i i don't know like you do the same or make it funny. I don't know. <laughs> well, I... Uh, I don't think this show has to be funny all the time, but, like, I don't know. The most, I felt oh, kind no, of no, weird no. towards the end of that. <laughs> we're good. No, we're totally good. My uh, influential experience is probably uh, a few years ago at the music festival Desert Days. This is back when... This was the last time that they actually had it in Joshua Tree State Park. Um... And I hadn't done acid before. And the day before, I was angry for some reason and just like, just really irritable, right? I don't know what happened, uh, but I was super irritable and, and I was with a bunch of friends and uh, it, it was not uh, a good look. And uh, the next day, the that, that, you know, okay, so I'm bipolar and it's like, I'm sure that's just what it was, it's some sort of weird mood change thing. But um, the next day, I was a lot better. And that was the day that we did acid. And uh, to keep it real short, I'll just I'll, I'll shoot some things at you. It was exper- It was influential because one, I uh, I they wouldn't let me bring a pencil in inside. And once the acid was starting to hit, and I realized that it, I wasn't just like marijuana high, that the acid was kicking in, I was like, oh shit, this is way cool. Um, and I wanted to draw really really bad at some point. And I didn't have the pencil, but there was something, you know, telling me somehow saying. Hey, don't even worry about that. Like all these, these visions or these feelings that you're having, you're going to hold on to these for a while. So just experience this and have fun basically. Um, and that was freeing in so many different ways because I was like worried almost like, I got to get this down. I got to write this stuff down. And then once it was like, Hey, it doesn't matter. You'll, you'll remember this later. It's like, okay, I was able to relax. And that's when, um, <laughs> well, it was sleep was playing the holy mountain in its entirety. Yes, um, as it was as the sun was setting. Okay, uh, so as that's going on in my acid brain, I'm just like, God, these guys are fucking talking about time traveling and stuff. Like it was, <laughs> so many things were opening up, and I I was loving it. It was it was so great, and it and it lessened. It's it stopped being, you know, the novelty of it wore off rather quickly, which I'm really thankful for. Like I, I the whole time I'm I'm in I'm amazed by it. And what it's doing to my mind and how I'm feeling and everything. But, um, you know, it, it, it was only a little while where I was like, whoa, man. 
And then it turned into sort of like a, this is how I'm experiencing life right now at this moment, and this is exactly what I want to do, and this is exactly what I probably should be doing. I'm loving this. And it was less of a novelty and more of an experience at that point. Um, and then, so, it was sleep. Then King Gizzard came on as the sun set. Um, and that was the first time seeing them live, and that was a complete trip. That was absolutely fantastic stuff. And uh, during their set, they did say, man, is this insane that, we have, that we're playing after sleep and right before Iggy Pop. And that's when Iggy Pop comes out later. And he's climbing up on things, and he is just giving a fucking show like I've never... Like, it's so good. It was so... So good to see this guy just really has so much energy still. Um, and he was climbing on top of stuff, and I was starting to get worried. I was like, please don't don't make this the time that you die, bud. Like, that's too high. That's too high. You're too old for this. Please don't make me watch um, this. But, like... <laughs> Yeah, with, with with him compared to recently, I saw Elvis Costello and Blondie open for Elvis Costello, mm. um, you know, which was great to see. But yeah. you know, to be honest, they're getting pretty old. Um, right. But Iggy, I think, might be older than them, if not the same age ish, right? Mm. And uh, he he kills it way more than these guys could ever dream. I think. And of course, it's di- completely different music. Blah blah blah. But um, that was influential because it it really just. You know, somebody once said that it, that that acid is like a. It's as if your brain is a filing cabinet, and you have a bunch of different drawers, and some drawers you can only open halfway. Some of them they're completely shut, and acid is something that helps kind of open up all those drawers, and you can access things in your brain that you weren't able to before in so many different ways, um, and it all made sense at some point. And realizing, yeah, that's really close to this experience. Okay, and getting more in touch with my mind and body. Um, not only that, but I'm colorblind, and so the next day I saw color a lot more than I ever had in my life. Uh, that was yeah. a real trip. Um, but ending uh, a fantastic day with somebody who, uh, through that experience, I knew for certain that I was just absolutely in love with them. Um, and being around good friends and, and ending the night with going to our Airbnb where there was a, they had a outside tub in their backyard. And just soaking in the tub while looking at the stars and just coming down from acid. That was, uh, that right there was probably the most influential. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. You mentioned the thing about the, the filing cabinet, because I always considered acid like defragmenting your hard drive, like making things mm. easier to access and all, you know, and also like, yeah, organizing all your folders. Yeah, exactly. Organization, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whereas, like, DMT, I feel like, is, like, um, increasing what your, you know, how big your hard drive is or getting a, um, Hmm. getting an external hard drive and upgrading your RAM. (laughs) Yeah, definitely some RAM upgrades, for sure. Like, I I don't know what, and and this is another, this, this is why I feel like these experiences are tied, where it's that Desert Days experience, uh, mind-blowing, life-changing stuff. But um, when you had introduced me to DMT that one time, that was immediately a huge weight off my shoulders. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it unburdened me. And I, and I remember saying something about like, oh, this could be fucking for PTSD. And you're like, shut up, just experience this, stop talking. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it, I immediately felt like, wow, for PTSD, this could be a huge game changer. Like this just lets you breathe more and stuff, right? So after, after that experience... I find myself these days, like, 
really on the ball and and catching waves in certain ways that I hadn't before, um, or at least noticing when things are coming along and it's all in line with how I'm I'm trying to feel and whatnot. Like uh, little things like I'm at work and like I'll drop a glass and I'll be able to catch the glass midair like for no reason, or like um, I <laughs> emotions processing emotions is a lot easier and. Uh, so many other things, just small little tiny things and, and feeling like, uh, you know, mispouring a beer and, and being like, ah, oh, I messed that up. And then the next person is like, oh, I'll have whatever beer I just mispoured. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. that worked out perfectly. Here we go. And I'm somehow catching these waves. I'm catching these, uh, what like, like I was saying before, getting in that vein, right? Finding the vein of something, riding those waves and, and things are working out so well. And I keep getting illustration gigs and stuff. And I don't think it's just because I'm okay at it. It's just... I have that energy kind of flowing out there, the positive positivity, along with um, long, you know, to cut the story short, it's I had a I had a tarot reading the other day. Um, I was going to do it by myself at my house, but but uh, a really good friend of mine said, "Well, do you want me to do that for you?" And I said, "You know what? We're here right now. Yeah, let's do that." And they pulled out their dad's deck, which they later told me uh, he stopped using this deck because it was too magical. Like too, too many things were like far too coincidental over and over and over and over again, where it's like, this is, this is something else. I don't want to mess with this anymore. So she's got these cards and, uh, it's with the cleanest, uh, reading that I've ever seen. It was weird. It was like, here's where you are. Here's your destination. And these are the things that can get in the way and the things that can get in the way, uh, we're, are lining up completely with, uh, what's going on in my life and it was so accurate um it was just another one of those examples of like hey maybe this is all coincidence or whatever but i feel like i'm still just riding this wave and and flowing exactly how i need to be like using the world like i need to be and whatnot and it's it's uh so, so for that uh that dmp experience was you know literally transcendent transformative yeah and i uh, find with stuff. it um I find with that is, um, you know, I've been, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, not, um, you know, not sleeping that well, feeling kind of weird. And I feel like, um, you know, I would have been like miserable and not knowing why I'm feeling a certain way. And, you know, due to, you know, things like that, I know there's an issue and I'm more worried about like, um, like how I'm dealing with it versus like, yeah. you know, trying to conquer it. It's just like, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, that's actually really good. I'm not treating this in healthy ways. And that's why, you know, I feel worse about this. Cause it's not, it's not that bad. Like it, this is all, you know, this is all stuff that I could be like doing better at processing. So I'm like, mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of getting myself down because I'm not handling it that well, but that's such a better thing to be upset about than like just feeling miserable. Like it's, exactly. I know I'm not, I know I'm not doing the right thing and that's why I don't feel that good. It's just like, you know, getting in, getting into the mindset that I want to, um, no, that I want to fix it. That's, which is much yeah. easier than, you know, dealing with the daunting task of, fixing it on my own or not knowing how to fix it. It's like, I, mm -hmm. I know I need to be doing those things. And it's like, you know, it's good to feel a little bit stressed out about, you know, that, that you're not, that you know what you should be doing and you're not doing it is much easier to deal with than trying to figure out how to fix it. 
Absolutely. The the whole sense of being more grounded now and being more understanding of so many different things. It it's like emotions and and you're talking about stress. Uh, I feel like especially a, a, a thing like stress should be used, or I, I'm guessing from experience now that I think it's just supposed to be used as a as an inner, uh, not a not a telepathy in a way, but it, it, it's it's a signal, right? It's a signal of, hey, this isn't so great. So what can you do about this now? Versus how it would have been in the past, where it's like, this isn't so great, and you're going to be overwhelmed by it, and it'll overcome you, and you you can't do anything about it or something like like that and depression. Uh, where nowadays, if if I'm in a depressed bout, it's kind of like, well, the good news is that I know that I'll be out of this soon, and that's something that I couldn't really fathom before. Like when you're in it, you're just in it, and it's never going to go away. But I have the the wherewithal and the knowledge of like this has passed before, this will pass again, um, and those sort of ways of of being able to just like control, not control, but just understand what feelings actually mean um, and how important they are and stuff. It's it's been a pardon the pun, but yeah, it's been a trip uh, and feeling really great. That's a really great way to put that. Yeah, it's um, oh, and also yeah, tarot reading wise, I got a tarot reading before I moved from Portland, and it was like a wait wait tarot reading or Terra reading. Hmm. Tara oh, Reed. I was yeah. not Tur. I was not binge watching Sharknado. Um, <sighs> Keep going. I got a tarot reading, and it was like uh, you know, like a three card reading, like past, present, future, uh-huh. and. So far, everything is lining up. It's, um, like, it was, uh, um, she said, your move isn't going to feel great, and you're going to wonder if it was a good idea, but, you know, give it time, and it's going to work out, and you're going to do very well, and you just have to, you know, just have to work at it, and it's going to be fine but it's going to suck when you first do it. You're going to think you yeah. made the wrong decision, but it's all going to work out. And you know, so far I'm on the, uh, you know, the uh, former portion of that. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not really waiting for it to turn around, but I just like have that little like sliver in the back of my mind that like, okay, this is, this will be worth it. Just, you know, just a little deal. beacon of hope of some sort. Yeah, it's totally fine. You're totally fine. Everything's good. And especially yeah. now, because I'm like, um, yeah, I'm uh, being a little more like uh, social and I don't feel so like isolated in the woods anymore because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, trying to trying to do more things because um, it's like, yeah, I live like 20 minutes from the closest town. So it's like there's not really anything to do like at home. So sure. Yeah, and then when I finally realized, like, I don't need to just, like, drink a whole bunch to hang out. Like, I can go, you know, I can go get drinks, and that can just mean a couple beers. Like, that's that's totally fine, too. How how is that feeling? You you, so you're slowing down with that stuff? Um, I mean, when I go out, for sure. I mean, I don't. I Mm -hmm. try not to go out that often, but I'll I'll go out on like Saturday nights and um, you know, hang out with coworkers. Or if I get off for early. Um, but, I mean, I'm still drinking a lot at home. But I feel mm-hmm. like today, out of all all days, I actually, like... No, I didn't get to sleep until 6 a.m. But I woke up at noon. And uh, I felt good. And then I finally realized, like... 
maybe a lot of the reason why I was feeling like crap is because I forced myself to go back to bed because I felt like I needed more sleep and, yeah. you know, maybe I only need six hours of sleep. Maybe if mm -hmm. I can, you know, get to bed by four, I could wake up at ten and be fine. Um, and, and this so... is that computer of yours extended just a little bit, expanded a little bit more so that you're, you know, we're, you're picking up on those those signs. Yeah, and I... Yeah, like I uh, rather than wondering why do I have to why haven't I slept so much or whatever I, uh, versus like oh now maybe I don't need that much yeah and I'm thinking like yeah I need to have at least seven hours if I don't get seven hours of sleep I'm gonna feel like garbage and I set an alarm for I mean I work really late so I don't feel like that weird about it I work like you know six to midnight or six to one every night so it's not like you know, it's not totally insane that I'm going to bed at, you know, after 4 a.m. Because I've only been out of work for three hours. So it's yeah. not, you know, I don't feel like completely insane. I just have like a semi-nocturnal sleep schedule and it takes a lot for me to wind down after work. But I could, you know, I could do more things before I go to work. Um, sure. So... So yeah, I I do feel like I'm missing out on part of the day and maybe like, you know, set everything back like two or three hours and I should be should be alright. Um, That's the but... interesting thing. Because like right now I have the same thing. I I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you like an asshole. Keep going. Yeah, but I um yeah, I'm just gonna try to um you know, try not to uh I I don't know. I did just get uh Marvel Spider Man for PS4. Um, tight and it's so fucking rad i haven't been like i don't really get excited about video games and i'll pick up one like i got uh gran turismo not too long ago it's a little fun do a race here and there it's you know it's a good time but man spider-man is my fucking jam it's so good here it's great and it's like it captures the feeling of like the the, the PS2 game so well while it's still like um like fresh and looks great and I um a big thing in it is I have um purple tunnel in my right wrist so mm -hmm. a lot of games where I'm like strained or moving my thumb in like a certain way repetitively it can really hurt it but you don't you don't have to like mash buttons as fast as possible. Like fighting games are like the worst for me. Like um, I blame me going out first at the super smash brothers tournament at BugCon on my carpal tunnel. I was like getting so sore. And I mean, part of it was I had like the stupid tiny joy con that like is like, it's like a controller for an infant and I have sure. large hands. Are you talking about the, the no switch? Yeah, and there's yeah, no, I, there's nothing to, to like grip. Um, so that was part of it. But like, I don't feel like the gameplay is like relaxed enough. And like, I've never played a game where you, it's like fun to just move around the map. Like, I've yeah. been, I've been doing all the random collecting of shit that I never do in video games because it's like, you know, in Grand Theft Auto, you have to, like, go and, like, drive a car and then climb this thing and everything. But, like, you're fucking Spider-Man. You just, like, web everywhere you need to go. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's not helping me get to sleep because I'm, like, fucking addicted to the game. And I, like, play 
I play until pretty late, but I'm yeah, I'm starting to um, you know get tired earlier. Yeah. Um, so yeah. especially especially now, like I set an alarm for 1 p.m. today to make sure I got enough sleep, and I woke up at like 11:30, <laughs> and I was just up. I was like, oh, this feels all right. Cool. Yeah, I'm good. Like, yeah, good. I didn't get to sleep until six last night, but who cares? I'll be you know tired at the you know at the end of work versus getting groggy right when I get to work. So exactly. Yeah, and I'm feeling pretty good right now. So we'll see. Good. I'll probably I'll probably like have to hear some uh, some iced tea when I get to work just to keep the my caffeine buzz going a little bit more. But no, I think it I think it's turning around and I'll be able to sleep soon, which is good. Sweet. So I've been missing out on a lot of um on a lot of bug cult talk on Twitter too because I'm don't get up in the morning and you know those you guys are all my friends um yeah. and uh yeah I just I feel like I'm missing out on a lot so I'm I'm coming back I'm making I'm making my way back around making my way around town um and getting this new computer like everything's all settled now so i don't like yeah we took uh and we apologize to our fans and friends of the podcast uh that it took so long to get that one episode out and then this one's gonna be it's for good reason um yeah i mean we've got getting us back upgrades now i've got a beautiful 15 inch macbook pro um so yeah we are we are back in business and this episode is gonna be we released that last one last Friday, so this one will be out on Tuesday, and then we'll just get back to our normal schedule from then. And yeah, I think we're good to go from there. But sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you wanna wanna tackle right now? Uh, not necessarily. No. Uh, yeah. I, I disagree with everything that you're saying right there, and, and and I'm glad to hear that things are starting to click. I feel like things are starting to click for a lot of people right now. Um, and it feels good. Like, like, you know, this is, this is on the opposite side of comfort, um, going against art. There are a lot of times where comfort can only fuel the art, uh, you know, like getting a newer, better computer to, so that, you know, you're streamlining your workload or, uh, you know, I got a, somebody had a, had a swamp cooler type thing, you know, bringing in, bringing in cool air into the house and, but nobody was using it. And it turns out it's been there for like sitting in this closet for like a year. So I said, all right, I'm taking that. And now I have like kind of air conditioning in my room, which no place else in the house has it. And it's just like, well, that's making me work a little bit easier. And with that, I get better sleep. And I'm trying to do things like, uh, hey, I'm not going to binge a show. I'm going to watch one episode tonight. That's what we're going to do. And then once that episode is over, I'm getting into a really great habit of like turning something off, putting some music on, going to sleep, turning the music off at the right time so that I can actually sleep at some point. Like it's all starting to... Mm-hmm. it's working yeah and you um it's like diminishing returns as far as like what you can um you know what you can gather information wise so like after you sure. see two episodes of something like you're gonna miss out on stuff yeah and it's uh it's good so far uh yeah, i've no, been watching I, I... uh i i got a few more episodes of too old to die young left i'm kind of like letting mm. that simmer a little bit but i've been watching the americans so fucking good just started mm. season two um and also my, mind hunter season two as well yes i'm also watching that right now i'm maybe four episodes in or something uh mind hunter season two is 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 fantastic i mean david fincher alone is just a fucking yes nut. yes it's great um and it's and the the thing that i was noticing about all these characters is that 
um, you know, all the all these guys who are on quote unquote the good side of the story, um, none of them are are doing anything that makes you not care for that character. You know what I mean? Like, there's no drama within this show as much as it's about serial kill- serial killers and stuff. It's like um, I keep noticing that every time I think something might go wrong or like one character might be like, I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. Basically, it's like it doesn't happen, and there's support because this is a really good group of people doing something that's pretty fantastic and out of this world um and so this this it, it's just very well made very well acted everything is working out very well with the show and i'm digging it um but i uh i i've been watching well actually hold on to the to the americans for a second because yeah. the the same uh person shout out to a buddy of mine tony i think you met this guy a couple times here and there this guy told me to watch The Americans, and that was a show that I probably would have never watched if this guy didn't tell me about it, because I never really seen much on it, and it just didn't it didn't strike me as something that I would be so interested in. But holy cow, is that show perfect? Like, every time every, something starts to slow down, there's another twist that gets thrown at you, and it's, uh, I can't even... I'm at a loss for words with that show. Everybody is perfect in that show. Talk about acting. Talk about technicality of just yeah, story and it's, wise. Um, yeah, it's a, a show that you don't see like that often where like you don't see the actor whatsoever. Like Carrie yeah. Russell is, I've seen her in a lot of stuff and it's like, I don't, I only see the characters. It's like so well written and so immersive yeah. and... Well, like the the you look know? of it is like all, it like, it's like super like dark and dreary. Like, yeah, it's it's fucking great. I love it. So for those much. who have written this off because it's like, oh, spies here. This is this is the the whole gist uh, to start this show. They're spies. The kids don't know about it. This is during the Cold War. New neighbor comes in. FBI agent. What? Okay. If you just read that. It, it seems like it'd be super cliche, but they get rid of that cliche immediately and dig you into this really realistic uh, feeling uh, spy cat and mouse sort of shit. And it's, and it's not just cat and mouse. There's always something happening. There's, it's, it's, it's cat and mouse everything. and Russian embassy. <laughs> Holy cow, is it good? And there's a lot of Russian being speak, spoken. So, you know, rush up. Uh, God, I can't even. Yeah. Matthew Reese in that show, the main guy. Did you know that this guy's Welsh? Really? Boom. I mean, I figured with a with a last name like Reese, yeah. I didn't know, and I would have never known because his accent is impeccable on this show. Uh, as this American dude, I, it, it's a great show. But uh, the Americans, I just finished watching The Leftovers, which is another show that that you know my buddy Tony was uh, telling me to watch and talk about. A crazy, not like it, it. It doesn't stop. Every episode, just right when you think it's about to slow down, something else is thrown at you. And no matter how much of the show you're watching, you don't know what's going on. You'll never know what's going on, and it's so good because of that. Like I'm, I'm not. These two shows are, are are up in my top ten, top five shows of all time now. Almost like it, they they really struck a chord. Um. And the Americans also, I was watching the Americans when I was in the deepest throes of, like, sadness because of uh, mishandled relationship stuff. 
So seeing the dynamic of husband and wife and, and it mirroring so much of what I had seen in my own life, it was just, it was, ooh, it was devastating at times. Yeah. And one more thing about the Americans, actually, now that I think about it, every single character, no matter how, no matter how small they are, even if they're not like the main headlining actors, uh, each person has a moment of a monologue that just destroys everything else. Like, even the kid at some point, you know, they catch him doing something, he knows that it's bad, and he's just talking about, like, I know that it's bad, I don't know why I did it, and he's crying, and, like, every person on this show hits their mark perfectly, and I'm I'm in love with the Americans. Yeah, you guys, check that out. Yeah, and, yeah, I know what you mean, like, even... Like, no matter how small the character is, like, it's all written so well, and it's, like, yeah, extremely immersive. Like, yeah, the the daughter, Holly Taylor, is awesome yeah. in it. It only gets more mm. awesome, and uh, even characters who you're like, I don't really care for this guy, I don't really need him in this show, they're, they become, like, the best characters in the entire thing, and the most important, awesome things happen to them. Uh, but... Uh yeah, I don't I don't remember where we were going to go from there, but it doesn't matter. Uh yeah. James, no, I I don't think I do have anything else to add. I guess that's that's the conclusion that I'm getting to. So so I it, think uh that about wraps it up. That might wrap it up. And you know what? I I got to say there's there's so much more to talk about ourselves, I guess, but um this yeah, hey, that stuff's going to come out later on. Right. In terms yeah. of just getting yeah, to know us and whatnot. Is, uh... So it's a pretty good like interview style thing and uh yeah we could just uh keep moving forward from here talk about things we love i mean we could probably do an entire episode about the americans but oh sure i need to see more of it i'm only on season yes, you two do. so i'll say this um, for those we'll, of you out there we'll uh, i that. hope you enjoyed this yeah and we will um yeah this is going to be out early next week and we will have um more of our regular show the week after that so there is one last thing, though, yes. um, which is in an uh, it's a three for three, oh. but a little bit different. This is the most influential of you as a person getting to know you so well. Let's say for those of the people out there who are wondering, what are three albums that completely changed you? Or what are three films that completely changed you? Or inspired you to do this or that. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go... Uh, let me do three albums first. Um, I'm going to do uh, Discipline by King Crimson. Okay. Um, yeah, that's when they went down to a uh, four-piece band. It's Tony Levin, Bill Bruford, um, Robert Fripp, and Adrian Ballou. Um, Adrian Ballou, live in concert next month. Um, I hope you can make it. I'm going to try to do it. Where are they going um, again? It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out later. I know. They're, they're, they're yeah. around. I saw it. Um, I would say... Number two. Number two for albums. Um, Another Green World by Brian Eno. It's his uh, third album. It's when he got more into the ambient stuff. Less, uh, less rock and roll. Um, fantastic album. Um, I always myself uh coming back to that and um yeah influential albums that's um let's see 
Give me an album that I mean, rocked I, your world when you were a kid and, and is still well, something that you will listen to. I don't know about when I was a kid, because I listen to a lot of different music now that doesn't really, oh. like, um, affect me as much, but, like, a great... Um, a great electronic album that really, really got me into Deep House and everything like that is uh, Totem's Flare by Clark. Um, that kind How do you of spell Clark. Uh, like, like the name C L A R K. Uh, but it's a 2009 album, uh, Totem's Flare, that really got me into um, uh, like producing electronic music. I kind of started synthesizer shopping after listening to that album, pretty much. Um, and movies, I mean, that's easy. We probably talked about a lot of them, sure. uh, before, um, but yeah, Videodrome, favorite movie of all time, um, hugely, uh, influential oh, as far as that, that goes. reminds me actually, uh, since we were talking about Videodrome earlier. Let me, th- let me finish a... my three for three. No, 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 I know, I know. Fine, go. Get out of here. Okay. Um, another one being, uh, Vanilla Sky. I love that movie. Right. I love that movie since I was younger. Um, and I've, I mean, we've talked, I mean, these, this is kind of like running through my, my top five, but we've already talked about the greasy strangler and under the skin quite a bit. Uh, so the other movie would be uh, Buffalo 66. Ooh, um, good choice. Yeah. With, uh, Vincent Gallo and Christina Ricci. It's very, very good. Uh, what were you going to say? Well, Buffalo 66 is one of those movies that I would have never watched, but it was, it was, this fucking great film teacher that I had for film studies. Uh, I can't remember his name, unfortunately. Uh, I'm an old man now. And uh, they played Buffalo 66. And I, I just, you know, most of that I knew about it was like the, the posters that I would see in the newspaper or something like that. I never really knew anything about the movie. I would have never watched it if it weren't for this class. And it shot up to one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely, like just immediately almost. Um... It's just so different and so raw, and and it's got so much heart to it too. Like like for a character who is a, the biggest fucking scumbag, you you care for them at the end, and it's it's the well, greatest seemingly scumbag. I mean, he kind of seemingly scumbag. He does a huge turnaround after he uh, takes a piss ten minutes into the movie. <laughs> is this a shifter car? Is this a shifter yeah. car? I cannot drive <laughs> shifter cars. Uh, great. But, you guys I have mean, to see he that. does. There is a little bit of kidnapping, but I mean, I. Oh, Christina Ricci also in the this movie. character just does a complete 180 once he finally takes a piss. <laughs> yes. And he apologizes. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, no, what I was going to say. Spoiler about alert. Is... He apologizes, and everything's all fine. And like, yeah, the kidnapping is completely forgiven. The end. Yep. Uh. Thinking about Videodrome earlier and then talking about, you know, these Rick and Morty fans uh, and how, how over the top they can be and whatnot. How do you feel with a thought, with the idea that some of these kids will only know Cronenberg as a term for a bug monster thing? And oh, not... shit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I loved that nod that they just like... Sure. They just summed up everything rather than saying like, "Oh, body horror monsters" <laughs> or anything like they. It's just the Cronenberg. the Cronenbergs. Yeah, it's like um, genius writing. Yeah, it was it was great. I I really enjoyed that, and I think it's enough over their heads that it would be more like 
oh, that's what they were talking about in that show versus, like, that, um, you know, it's clear that it's referential once you, mm -hmm. like, look deeper into it. So, yeah, that is funny, though, that, like, with without context, that makes no sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> which makes well, that, it even better. That along, which I think was the same episode, uh, when... <laughs> Uh, the dad, Jerry, at some point, he uh, has a shotgun and he's taking care of business with whatever's going on. And he mentions something about how he feels as if that shotgun is like his penis. And his wife says, well, call me Ernest Hemingway. Uh, which means that gun is going to go into the mouth. Mm. Uh, Ernest Hemingway sh yeah. shot himself in yeah. the head. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I howled with laughter the first time I heard that. It was the most brilliant sexual innuendo that I've ever fucking heard. Uh, lovely, lovely stuff there. Uh, but as, as for me, three albums, uh, yes. I guess I cheated because I wrote mine down and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I it's okay. I had I had a list on my phone, so when I was stalling, I was uh, looking for the list. I have a list of uh, 2019 movies, but uh, moving on. Uh, for me, three albums. Uh, I might go in chronological order. I guess number one, and I believe I talked about this before, was the first album, the self-titled Gorillas album. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that it it hasn't changed at all, but it changed so much for me in ways that. When I, you know, when I first heard it, it's like I took it at face value. Like, I, I understood the depth of a lot of these tracks and stuff, but there are quite a few things that I didn't really care for and, and would skip tracks here and there. Uh, later, after being introduced more into punk and stuff, I realized that the tracks that, that I didn't like at the time, I just wasn't ready for or something. So it's like the first punk that I heard, the first uh, sort of like, uh, actually might be the first hip hop that I really listened to in a way. When you've got Della Funky, Homo Sapien, and... and uh, Oh man, it, it was just some, an eye-opening album that opened my eyes even further re-listening to it at an older age and realizing, oh wow, this is the first introduction to so many different types of music, like dub reggae and stuff that I would have, that this is the very beginning of all that. So that's that's huge for me. Um, the second one is Is This It by The Strokes. Um, when 2001 hit, uh, there was nothing but pop trash everywhere and somehow i accidentally found this album uh a couple years after it had come out at the library and i could not take it out of my portable cd player on this camping trip i just could not stop listening to it it just i hadn't heard anything like that and the sort of mumbly way that julian casablancas does his stuff and it, and, and it's got you know the the inside the liner notes and stuff the pictures of the band like they made it feel really like late 70s sleaze in the best way um, and it just fucking rocked my world. And the third album would probably be Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. Uh, because when I heard it at age 13 or 14, whatever it was, it was just that perfect, I want to do something different. I don't want to do what all my friends are doing and whatnot. And I somehow stumbled upon Miles Davis. And that led me into so much more jazz. And without jazz, I wouldn't have the kind of appreciation that I do have for music. Uh, just in terms of how it's you know put together basically yeah um and and i mean uh, it's a cliche to say miles davis kind of blue because that is like arguably maybe the best jazz album of all time so everybody fucking knows about this album but 
until you know about it, you don't know about this thing. And once you find it, it opens up so much, I feel. Um, and, and if you don't care for it, uh, oh well. But I feel like it really challenged me as a, as a, as a young child. Uh, and, it, and it just informed me ever since. Yeah, no, a that's... classic. That's excellent. I mean, and I picked, you know, pretty obscure stuff anyway. So like some of one of us has to keep the other grounded in reality too. There so, you go. Yeah. I'm trying to keep yeah. you grounded in reality, James. Yeah. Uh, speaking of James, this next thing, movies, this first movie has to deal with somebody uh, who has been alleged uh, as a as a sexual uh, asshole, the movie is American Beauty. Mm. That's my segue. Uh, uh, just to I, I, I as a as a joke, but it is American Beauty. That is not a joke. Uh, that movie opened my eyes to how movies are made. Just the way that thing is put together. It just just the cinematography made me want to become a cinematographer. This is Conrad L. Hall, the late great. He did American Beauty and Road to Perdition, and those two movies, also both directed by Sam Mendes, are, uh, were instrumental in making me just more and more obsessed about movies and making me want to become a filmmaker because that cinematography blew my fucking mind in both of those flicks. Uh, I haven't watched it in a while. I don't know how, 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 it'll, how it'll feel with uh, the whole Kevin Spacey thing, but hey. It's yeah, a great I, film. I'm not going to stop I saying that. I also have not watched it in a while, so... I did recently watch L.A. Confidential, which is another incredible movie that Kevin Spacey appears in. Um, and it was a little bit interesting, but I, I, can, I can separate the art from the, the person, I think, well enough. Both those movies, great movies. But uh, I'm a huge Tarantino fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been since a very young age, uh, and I'm the kind of kid who would be like, no, but I'm like a real fan, though. I'm not like those kids who are like, they just like it because it's violent. Like, I like the themes, and this is me when I'm like, again, 14, 15, maybe. Thematically, this movie is just above and beyond. Pulp Fiction is just incredible. I like the feet. Um, I love the feet, and if you guys haven't watched, have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? I I have not, but I recently had a conversation um james is a friend of the show um rocco um <laughs> mentioned on twitter saying that uh that tarantino's foot thing is the hackiest thing to um to uh have as a criticism for movies it's yeah. like it's as hacky or hackier than talking about jj abrams lens flares and yes i responded properly saying the, the difference is jj abrams lens flares don't make the movies better <laughs> but anyway <Okay>. continue <laughs> no that doesn't make them better because they're already real good because jj friend of the show jj abrams uh no uh-uh i no 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 this is the only mission impossible like, one... three james speaking of carrie russell is it is it good because it's jj abrams or is it good because philip seymour hoffman's in it and he makes everything well who better? put it together who put it together? Who decided that Philip Seymour Hoffman should be that guy? I 
I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> That's a whole podcast worth of conversation. My very, next movie. There are very few people I will not say friend of the podcast, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say JJ <laughs> Abrams is not a friend of the podcast. I'm loving this. Perfect. Holy cow. All right. Speaking of JJ Abrams, that guy makes movies. And my second movie that I will pull out is uh, Jackie Brown. Now, if you yeah. asked me a few years ago, I would have said Pulp Fiction. But the thing about Jackie Brown is not only do I think it may be his best, and it's really hard to put these all together because, you know, some of them are so very different. And they're all a masterpiece for their own fucking reasons. And I don't like all of his movies either. Okay? I don't care for Hateful Eight. I didn't really care for Django Unchained. Although, Django Unchained was uh, a different experience because the when I first saw it in theaters, it was a theater full of old white people that would laugh uproariously when any character, no matter the intentions, would say the N-word. And that made it a very uncomfortable, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? That's not what this... It's not a joke what they're saying right now. It it was... was, So I saw it again, and it was a little bit better the second time, and it got a little bit better on the third time. So I'm not going to knock Django Unchained. I'm a huge fan of exploitation, black exploitation, uh, spaghetti westerns. That works for me. Hateful Eight, I can't get behind. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. But... Jackie Brown, on the other hand, is a movie that is unlike any of his others. It's the most grounded in reality, I feel. It's the most, uh, let's say, pop sort of movie that he's done. The most accessible, I would say. It doesn't have a crazy time change back and forth. It doesn't have ultraviolence as much. Um, And this movie, although Pulp Fiction inspired me so much to become a filmmaker, this is the one where coming back to it at a later age and understanding the real intentions behind and what it's trying to do uh, with the story itself and taking this Elmore Leonard story and just making it better than the book actually was, which is maybe this and Fight Club are the only movies that I can really think of that the movies are better than the books. Um, it, 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 it just it stays classic. It stays real good. There's nothing of this movie other than maybe a tiny bit of fashion here and there that gets stale in some sort of way. This movie is a classic just perfectly well done lick. It's this detective story, this black exploitation sort of homage, but it never goes overboard. And there aren't any strange narration by Tarantino out of nowhere. And, and, and there aren't things that are out of place. Like a few of his movies have this movie just overall is a whole package. And it is the very first movie that I have ever bought as a digital digitally owned movie paid for it on youtube because i needed to watch it and i couldn't find my dvd and i'm not angry at it fantastic movie oh yeah absolutely it's been a while Slightly, since I, i've seen it so yeah i should go and revisit it it's been i say check years, that one out so and i say if you can uh check out once upon a time in hollywood in theaters because this movie is a movie about movies yeah. and it's got it it's big and it's uh I didn't care for it the first time I saw it. I'll tell you that much. Like I liked a lot of it, but there's some things that rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And the more that I distanced myself from it, it just got better and better. So I say, check that one out. Uh, yeah, I need but, to. Yeah, maybe I can um, go to San Francisco or something to see it like projected on film versus digital. And if you do that, you let me know, and I'll go with you. Okay. Because I've seen this movie three times now. I don't do that very often. Oh. I saw. I saw Battle Angel three times. That was the last one that I saw multiple times in theaters just because it was just a feast for the eyes. And it was, a, I thought, a pretty incredible movie. That's another podcast. 
The movie that I'm going to talk about right now is a very influential one and made me... It was the first, like, adult movie that wasn't a... Not a porno-wise adult movie, but the first grown-up movie yeah, uh, speaking that of I that, remember. the uh, the Robert De Niro sex scene in uh, Jackie Brown, that's, uh, that's a memorable scene. <laughs> you know, that made me uncomfortable when I yeah. first watched it, oh, because yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa. As I'm watching, I watched it again the other day, and it's like, that is the most weirdly human sex scene that I've ever seen in a fucking movie. Like, it's it's yeah. it's odd, it's upsetting because it's this these characters, but it's like, the, the, the nonchalance of it is so yeah. awesome. But anyway, continue. So maybe that's another reason why Jackie Brown is so great. Um, and informative for me, a young age. Formative, if you will. Uh, my third movie that I'm going to put on here is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Because when I'm in fifth grade and I'm like tripping out about space stuff and it's just that perfect age of just absorbing as much as I could. When I see a sci-fi movie that is unlike any other sci-fi movie that I've seen and is slow and visually arresting and hypnotizing and, and like, odd and, you know, for years I I couldn't even finish it all the way through for some reason and, and like, it was a challenge and it became just a... I don't know, that's one of those movies that, that's pretty... Imp, imp, it's just perfect. Uh... Done by the master, Stanley Kubrick, of course, but the visuals, the way that they use models and stuff, the rea- the the reality that they put on the screen, the the sense of reality is just like unlike anything else. And the fact that this was 1969, uh, it 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 ripped my small child brain just completely to shreds. Uh, and to this day, it's still it well now, especially with like psychedelic experiences and stuff, and then. Uh, reading the book also informed a lot, uh, the, which is the first book that I've read in, in like 10 years, I, I swear. I, I'm i not a reader, but uh, Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 Space Odyssey uh, expands so much more of stuff that you can't really get across on screen. Um, and yeah, it's, and that it's, was actually written like in conjunction with the movie. Yeah, like the, yeah right? Like the, side by like, side. Yeah, because so they was, differed. Yeah, a renowned sci-fi author, and then Stanley Kubrick's like, "Hey, I want to do a sci-fi movie," and he's like, "Okay, I'll write it for you." And then, yeah, the book came after the movie. The trippiest thing about this is when, when in the movie, you know, you've got the monolith, this giant black thing that just comes out of nowhere, and you've got these ape men, and then soon the ape men learn to use a bone as a tool to hurt others, right, and to to show dominance and whatnot. Um, they don't talk about how it actually happened, but in the book, they kind of run through the idea of there was no linking up in some sort of way. It was like this monolith was telepathically showing this monkey a video, if you will. Um, it was showing actions and the benefits of those actions. And it and then it kind of like pulls away from it, and now it knows how to do something else. Uh, and that feels very similar to like some of these psychedelic experiences where it's like, yeah. I'm not actually speaking to somebody. Nobody is telling me things, but you're inherently downloading information somehow. Yeah. Your, uh, um, yeah. Your brain is like being borrowed. And, yeah. Like, so, yeah. so I say 2001 space odyssey enough has been said about it already, but it's, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> I, I don't need to say anything about it I don't, other than maybe, you know, throwing the name out I there, just, but I, uh, I do suggest reading that book also. Fantastic I recently companion. got a um a 4K cut of that. 
Oh. Um, and uh. my now I have a 4K computer with my new laptop and a 4K television at home. So, yeah, I'm going to be enjoying that very Dang. soon. Uh, okay. Okay. That's a... I didn't think about that because they just released that 4K cut, right? Yep. Uh, my parents have a 4K TV. Uh, I, they might be down to watch that. Yeah, Woo! just make make sure that um, yeah, like either like download it directly on your TV, but just make sure whatever you're playing on it, playing it on is uh, 4K as well. So. Oh yes. Yeah, because it's yeah you uh, don't get great. the full benefits otherwise. Well, that's what I say about this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, there are a few movies that come that you need to see them in theaters, and I am an advocate for even 3D movies. If 3D movies are made and they start out that knowing that it's going to be you know, 3D and they're going to shoot it in 3D or it's going to be an animated film that is perfect that they shoot in 3D, Yeah. Uh, I say go fucking see it. I know that a lot of people just will not even try it, but dude... 3D movies, spectacle movies. This is what the movie theaters were meant for. Like these Fast and the Furious movies. I've missed out on Hobbs and Shaw. I haven't seen that yet. But I know that that's going to be just a, a thing that I have to see in theaters because it's so big and stupid. And that's what I love about it. And that's why these movies are fucking brilliant. Yeah, once I've upon a time in Hollywood, though. I've heard varying great. degrees of stuff on the Hobbs and Shaw that it's like, it makes no sense. But I mean, I figure hearing that before seeing it is only going to benefit the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. Uh, I, I mean, have you caught up with the Fast and the Furious films? Uh, no, I have not seen... Hmm, I think I... I have not seen eight. Um, and I can't remember if I've seen seven or not. I'd say skip number three, skip four. But what you really have to watch, if you haven't seen the, the oh, first I've two, are seen... pretty great. I've seen five and six, definitely. Five, six, and seven are incredible. Yeah, it, it oh, is. Yeah. It, they they finally I, understand oh, what they are. I know the appeal. Yeah, and they're just yeah. superheroes. Yeah, I get it. That's why I'm excited about Hobbs and Shaw because now they're introducing yeah. introducing sci-fi elements, and it's Idris Elba as the bad guy. What more do I want? Not much. Yeah, so. I listened to um, how did this get made about it, and then they were like, "Where do you go?" Like Idris Elba is like a cyborg in it. And then um, people are like, well, space. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we get it, space. But, like, who are they going to fight in space? Like, how do you top this? And then someone in the audience just shouted, ghosts! (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. Did you just spoil some Hobbs and Shaw for me that I did not know that they were going into space? No, no. They're, no, with the next movie. Oh, I see. How do they top it? Yeah. Okay, you scared they're not me. In, they're not in space yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've, I've heard people uh, within the industry, little rumblings of that's where they're trying to take it, and I, I can't wait. So that makes a lot of sense. All right, cool. Well, I mean, it, it can't be that far-fetched. I mean, Armageddon, we sent a bunch of... Oh, yeah. Like oil derrick workers to space so you know what's the difference <laughs> well yeah n- now where where fast and the furious has gone uh but but to even like the first two movies even even tokyo drift it's like oh this is really grounded this is this is like fun and it's silly but it's you know it's car stuff that, that you know you wouldn't be doing in real life and whatnot but it doesn't matter it's it's still pretty grounded in the real world once you add jason statham where his introduction of his character is like talking to his brother in the in the hospital 
and they do this one long take of him leaving the hospital and you realize that he had wrecked the entire hospital by himself and there's fire <laughs> everywhere and dead people and stuff and you realize that he had walked through the entire hospital and beat everybody up and killed them just to get to this dude like that's brilliant that's so over the top and it immediately draws you in i don't know anyway that's enough about fast and furious that's not one of my favorite movies but the the, i the fast and furious the umbrella of all these movies that i like star wars fast and the furious good stuff uh but james i do think uh you know we've covered uh a good amount of stuff yeah did we get all um all three of your three movies i think so let's see oh yeah 2001 Uh, that was the third one yeah yeah, that's oh, yeah. the third one there. And I'm trying to think if there are any other questions. Not really, no, and we're good. No, yeah. I think um, now officially, I think that, that about wraps it up. Bye! Bye!